good day, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time of day or night or whatever it is. Hello, welcome, this is Talking Bollocks. Yes, it is time, well, it is Christmas time, there's no need to be afraid. It's Christmas time, when we let in metal and we banish stuff that isn't. And in this world of plenty... We can smell it, we can spread a smile of joy. Yes, done really, innit? Um, so, hello, welcome, it is Talking Bollocks. That is the worst interview, uh, interview, introduction, whatever, whatever word begins with I, I've chosen to use this time. Um, hello, it's Talking Bollocks. It's bollocks so far, isn't it? It's a bit, a bit, of, a, bit of a car crash. Everything's all over the place. So, let's get back to some normality with a little bit of an intro. My name is Howard Smith. I am... Um, lead singer of Reactivated, a UK thrash band, Acid Rain, new album, The Age of Entitlement, first album for 29 years, came out on the 29th of September. Okay! Uh, I also do stand-up, uh, Keith Platt, professional Yorkshireman, you see me at keithplatt.co.uk. Um, Talking Bollocks, the podcast, hello, that's what this is, um, is available everywhere, on all sorts of social media, on, you know, uh, well, there isn't a website, because no one uses those anymore. Um, but yeah, check us out, find us, here you are, you found us, hooray, brilliant, good to be here. Thanks for coming. So, what have I got coming up for you? Well, this is um, part one of a two-part Christmas special, because I am good to you guys. Yeah, that's uh, that's how good I am to you guys. You get a two-part Christmas special, like you do every year. This one will be appearing just before Christmas, and I will be delivering one between Christmas and New Year as well. Um... So on this one, we have got uh, Gully and Joe from The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Funny that. And um, we've also got Daniel Sargent, nay, Danny Different, Danny, Danny Different, from um, the uh, Different Times podcast. So um, Daniel, who, of course, used to be in OMS, um, until his best mate, Paul, who he now does a podcast with, threw him out. (laughs) Yes, all of that to come. (laughs) So, but before we get to all of that meaty interview goodness, there will then be a part two. That That is podcasters this side of the pond. Then part two, Christmas special part two, will be podcasters from the other side of the pond. That their pond being the big oceany thing that is between the UK and America. North America. The United States of America. So, um... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna be chatting to uh, No Friender and Godless on the second part of the um, uh, of the podcast. Different, complete, separate, different part. Not happening this time. Can't hear it in this section. You know, on this one at all because it's not going to be here. Um, and also, I haven't decided where an update with Cancer Dan. Remember Dan, um, guitarist of Reanimator, guitarist of Thirteen, um, and survivor of cancer twice before he was thirty. Yes, um, Cancer Dan. Is uh, is going to be coming back for an update, and I can't decide whether it's on the end of this um, uh, episode or on the other one, or whether I'm going to put it out separately. And because I don't know, means I can't say. You know, look forward to listening to that later because it might be on here, it might be not. You know, who knows? Who the fuck knows? Anyway, that's what's going on. This is what's happening. Let's go in digging into what has been happening in the world of metal in the last month. Well, 
I would imagine most of you know where I'm going to start, and that is with, um, yes, Acid Rain's first album headline tour, first part of the first album headline tour for many, many years. Um, it was awesome. I'm going to sort of brush over this a little bit because um, I, I am aware that, uh, you know, not everybody is is into Acid Rain, so that's absolutely fine. Um, it was great fun. Um, and hello, if you're a, a, a bollocker or a patron who, um, who said hello on tour, um, I know there's a few of you out there. Um, there was there was uh, definite bollocker presence in Dublin. Um, I can't remember your name, dude, but um, good to catch up and have a quick chat um, before the show and uh, be able to regale you with my Phil Anselmo story, um, which you can now you know pass on and tell others as if it's your own. Um, and um, patrons at Edinburgh, sorry mate, I can't remember your name, but I did get you a bottle of Budweiser, so you know that's I guess that evens us out. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just been, it's, it's, it's been an awesome tour, uh, and, and like I said, seeing some, um, some patrons and some bollockers, um, has really been, um, has really been very cool, really been very cool, um, and of course, um, whilst I was saying hello and congrats and all the rest of it, um, also to you, Jacob, um, uh, and I mentioned Jacob by name because Jacob decided to turn up, um, in fucking Dublin, and that was a bit of a surprise, as did John Wig. Nice one, John. I mean, you know, awesome guys. Thank you so much. Um, and to everybody else that I've forgotten, I do apologise. Um, but in there, oh, well, of course, there was Neil Brannigan Fuller, he of um, the UK Thrash um, group, who uh, came and helped us out in Scarborough, which was great. Got a little glimpse behind the curtain. Um, and um, and of course, so we, we had a number of uh, of. of Rock royalty, rock it up to that. Um, and um, yes, there was a former uh, former Acid Rain bassist, Mac. Um, we had Dan from Reanimator and 13. We had Mike Abel, from, firmly of, um, formerly of Reanimator. We had Phil from Holisade. Um, so yeah, it was uh, that was awesome. Nice to see you guys. All thanks for coming. We had great fun over in Ireland. Um, Joe from Gamma Bomb, can't thank him enough. He put us up in his guest house two nights and um and it was just fucking awesome crowds were awesome um it was great playing the new stuff um and just thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable bit of a delay getting part two together um because we got fucked over by our agent so um yeah it's uh we're not our current agent we we've split and now we're we're yeah anyway that's just fucking annoying, so I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, um, thank you to everybody who came. It was great fun. It was absolutely superb. Um, just, yeah, fucking awesome. Um, so what's been happening in the world of metal in the last month other than Acid Rain going on tour? Well, um, this might not actually count as metal, but it was on Blabbermouth. But having said that, Blabbermouth is just, I mean, it's just toilet, isn't it, really? Um it's just anything. Um, but this, I just thought it was a great quote from uh, Pete Townsend of The Who, who clearly doesn't give a shit anymore. Um, in a new interview with Rolling Stone, uh, he said he doesn't miss the band's late drummer Keith Moon and bassist John Entwistle. It's not going to make Who fans very happy, but thank God they're gone, he said, because they were fucking difficult to play with. They never, ever managed to create bands for themselves. I think th- I think my musical discipline, my musical efficiency as a rhythm player held the band together. He said Entwistle's bass sound was like um, a, a, a messian organ with every note, every harmonic in the, uh, in the sky. When he passed away and I did the first few shows without him, 
um, with new bass player on bass. It was like playing without all that stuff. I said, wow, I have a job. I'm not quite sure what all that means. Um, he was easily, easily brutal in his recollection of Moon, saying, with Keith, my job was keeping time because he didn't do that. So when he passed away, it was like, oh, I don't have to keep time anymore. Usually, I'm so unaffected by death. My mother, father, Keith Moon. Right, okay. Um, so there you go. And um, he's, uh, he went on to say, he went on to say, him and singer Roger, Roger Daltrey, they described as detached, if not estranged from each other, with two giving interviews and staying in separate and different hotels. If you watch Roger on stage, he goes through a lot of visual phases. Sometimes he can't stop himself looking over at me. It's irritation. It's irritation that I'm even there. Fucking hell, this is like full on, isn't it? Towards the end of the interview, Townsend sums up, go on, Pete, go on, go all the way. We're not a band anymore. There's a lot of people who don't like it when I say it, but we're just not a fucking band. Even when we were, I used to sit there thinking, this is a fucking waste of time. Take 26, because Keith Moon has had one glass too many of bra- one one glass of brandy too many fucking hell i mean he really has just like right let's take a co- i'm gonna take a collective shit on um on my band on the legacy on ex-band members i'm just gonna shit on everything fucking hell and i'm not surprised who fans don't like it when he says that because that is quite if you know if you were massively into the who which i'm not i would imagine that you would find that a little bit fucking disconcerting but even so you've got to love the guy's honesty you know as i've said a million times you can't knock honesty and he's been really fucking honest there um so it's not the end of the year but a couple of albums have appeared in the last month um well actually one in the last two weeks and one in the last few days um now the first i'm gonna the first i'm gonna mention um, it's kind of weird how I came across this because I I was in um, uh, oh god where was I um, I was I, I was I, where was it I was in the oh, I was in the internet I mean I wasn't literally in the internet well basically um, there was a there was a there was a a, a YouTube link link sent uh, to Acid Rain to Acid Rain's page and apparently there's this kind of almost um, YouTube version of um, the Eurovision Song Contest going on, where it was basically some metal dude from, you know, some European country. Hi, I'm metal dude from European country. Now I play you favourite tracks from favourite countries and favourite bands. Yeah, this is... I don't know what accent this is, by the way. Uh, this this, this is... I, I'm just offending everybody. This is metal. Here we go. Let's play some metal, yeah? Here we go. And then you just get basically a song from... Yeah, and Acid Rain was representing the UK. And this band called Arises were representing Croatia. And um, I thought, oh, that sounds quite interesting. So I tracked the album down. um, And the band is called Arises. And the album is called System or System Corrupt. Um, The band themselves don't seem to um, uh, kind of know um, what it's called. But it's called System. But there's a song on it called System Corrupt. Okay. Um, and it's uh, and that's it. So but you can find them at arisesband.com. Um, and also, like, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, all the rest of it. You should be able to find the album. Um, 
I discovered this a few weeks ago, and it's really good. It's really, really good. Um, reminds me in places of The Haunted, not early Haunted, sort of mid-Haunted period. The singer is definitely a big fan of Peter Dolving and The Haunted. Um, and the more I play it, the more I like it. And at this stage, I don't know if it's going to end up in my end-of-year favourites. And the reason for that is that... Um, because I've just got it and I'm playing it a lot, you know, I just want to, I want to see if it stands the test of time or if I'm just kind of like, you know, if it'll wear off quite quickly. Um, one album that um, I have literally just picked up over the last few days, in fact, discovered it on, I think, um, would have been Tuesday and um, literally, and, and, and ended up walking into a shop and seeing it on CD um, a few whilst listening to it for the first time, having downloaded it, and that is the new New Model Army album, and the, uh, and the that's called From Here. Now, I'm pretty sure that's going to end up in my top ten, um, be, purely because the, just the the volume of music on offer. I was listening to it last night when um, I had to nip out and do some uh, some bits and pieces, and um, wow, it's just there's so much going on in each song. It really is just. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that's going to be in my top ten, but I, I can't say for sure. But I mean, yeah, it's it feels deep. Like there is a lot of music to swim through. You know what I mean? If it was, if it was, if it was a, um, uh, if it was a, uh, a a type of food, it would be a really thick broth. Um, what am I doing? Talking about food and and music and relate. Yeah, I've clearly lost the plot. Let's move on. Um, so what else been going on? Oh yeah, last month's um, last month's uh, podcast, as, as always, um, put the picture out of me and Barney from Napalm Death going, "Hey, Barney's coming on on, on the podcast." Everyone goes mad, liking it all over the place, shares, you name it. Then the interview with Barney and I comes out nowhere near the social media reaction, and it's, it just reminds me of when I put the picture of um, James Murphy up, saying, "You know, oh, Jay, you know, the podcast with James," and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, love James Murphy." Oh, he's brilliant. Everyone piles in on it, and then the actual podcast comes out, and yet yeah, about half of the social media reaction that there was for a picture of him. So I just don't get it where a picture of Barney and I gets a huge social media um, reaction. Then the actual fucking interview with us gets half that, you know, but whatever. I don't know. You know, I'm sure it's something it will it will be something to do with algorithms and probably the fact that um, sharing um, sharing a link. Not as many people are going to get to see it, etc, etc. Um, it's still fucking irritating, though. Say what's not irritating, though. Going back to new music, which was what I was talking about earlier. Um, Billy Talent came out with a new song um, called Forgiveness. One plus two. Um, it, I mean, it's Coming up to seven minutes of amazingness, it is the Billy Talent that I love, but it's upgraded yet again, or rather different yet again. It's almost proggy, um, coming in at that length, you know, over six and a half minutes, with some saxophone in it. I mean, it's, it's, it's seriously, it does go proggy. It's, it's insane. It's fucking insane. But um, I kind of love it. I really do. I really do. Um, one thing I haven't loved is spending way too much time arguing with people online who say that, oh, Slayer aren't done. Oh, people always say it. No, Slayer not done. They're coming back. And you will hear No Friend and I talk about this. Um, and probably Godless. Well, we haven't had that chat yet, but I'm sure we'll be mentioning it as well. And um, 
anybody who just goes on about oh yeah um, just look look at Motley Crue they're coming back right okay so that's your that's your argument is it that Motley Crue are coming back therefore Slayer will okay so if you want to, if you want to use that as your example and that is you know we'll just look at that okay fine let's look at what you know you can't just have a bit of the argument your whole argument right is based on the fact that if you're using Motley Crue as your yardstick what you're saying is in a few years there'll be a documentary on Netflix released about Slayer it'll be a massive hit generate loads of new interest in the band and they'll be offered hundreds of millions to reform because that is the Motley Crue example you can't just have the oh they're back therefore Slayer will be no that's that's they're, they're the reasons why they're back so you're applying those reasons to Slayer so go fuck yourself you fucking cock Right, I mean, all you have to do is read one interview with Tom Araya at any point over the last ten years to realise how fucking done he is. It's fucking over. It really is. And it just, it really fucking annoys me that that um, we live in a world where it's just, it's so much easier to be cynical. It's so much easier to go, oh no, well, and it's like, look, I, I agree. Yes, a lot of bands say they're going to split and then don't. But this is fucking Slayer. And if you haven't been following the news since ever since fucking Jeff died, Tom has pretty much not wanted... It's like It's been like, right, that is the key for me. That is it. i got to go now. And if it hadn't been for him losing all of his fucking money in the 2008 financial crash, Slayer would have finished a while ago. Slayer would have definitely finished when Jeff died. There's no way Tom would have carried on without him. So anyway, for fuck's sake... Next time you have somebody giving it that name, oh, they'll be back, they'll be back. Just fucking poke them in the eye with your fucking nose, all right? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, dear. I don't know why I get so wound up by these things, but, you know, I do. Therefore, such is life. Anyway, um, Ghosts Tobias Forge says that Slayer's Tom Araya would make a good Santa Claus. That's right. That's what passes for metal news in this fucking day and age, apparently. Yep, that's that is a news that is a news piece on Blabbermouth that Tobias Forge, otherwise known as Ghost, because there's no such band. It's a solo project called Tobias Forge and some blokes I will hire and then fire. Tobias Forge says Slayer's Tom Araya would make a good Santa Claus, and then there's a picture of Tom Araya and his big grey beard, and you think, Tobias Forge, you're a fucking cock. Keep your fucking nose out. I mean, what, what has the what has the metal community come to when that is news? That is considered fucking worthwhile. Putting what Tobias Forge of Ghost thinks that Tom Araya looks a bit like Santa with his beard, so that's a fucking news item. Jesus fucking Christ! What kind of world are we living in, ladies and gentlemen? Right, look. Without any further ado, let's get a fucking interview going. All right, okay. So, first up, it's going to be the one, the only, Danny Different, Danny, Danny Different. It's Daniel Sargent from Different Times Podcast. He does the Different Times Podcast with Paul Waller, not Weller, Waller. Now, Paul Waller is the singer in OMS, and he's been on the podcast a few times, as you may know. Um, and he's, uh, he's a bit of an Acid Rain fan. And um, Daniel is uh, Paul's best mate. 
and Paul used to sorry and Daniel used to play in the band Oms with Paul doesn't anymore and we're going to find out how all that happened in just a few minutes so without further ado here is Danny Different Danny Danny Different this is Daniel Sargent from the Different Times podcast oh I, yeah but yeah so I'm getting podcasters on right okay because no one ever interviews them so it's about time that I got podcasters on to interview them, and we've interviewed Paul Loads. So here's Danny on his own, just a few weeks on his own. God, it makes it sound like he's been let out of the house, doesn't it? It's like, oh, Paul's let him. Paul's Paul's dropped him off. Will you will you will you look after him and then drop him off later? Remember to say thank you for having me when you leave. And if you get a slice of cake, wrap it in a tissue. Here's me and Danny a couple of days ago. Hello. Hello there. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Excellent, excellent. This is this is so weird because it kind of because I listen to your podcast, it feels like I already know you. <laughs> I definitely mean I listen to yours too. Uh, I was listening to it this morning about shooting the magpies. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Hetfield. Yeah, I think you're wrong though. I think seagulls are worse. Oh, if I had those, I'd fucking mull of those cunts as well. <laughs> I genuinely thought about it. Years ago, um, when we were in my old house in Margate, we had a family friend uh, doing the lead on the roof because it was leaking, and he got dive-bombed by a seagull, and he's still got like a sort of two-inch cut on his head, like a scar that's uh, pretty bad. Oh, they, they, they are proper cunts of the sky. I mean, um, yeah. pigeons, sky rats. But um, I, got, I got shat on by a seagull at the, um, at the seaside once, and the person when I, when I was with said... Um, you know that's good luck, don't you? So well, for the fucking seagull, it is. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it at the time, does it? No, not at all, not at all. But um, it was dead funny when you sent that. When you said, when we said, right, okay, you know, up five minutes, and you sent that message saying PP time. <laughs> <laughs> it so made, what else am I going to do? I know, but it made it made me laugh because it's the kind of thing that you that you guys always talk about. Well, not the kind of things you talk about on the podcast, but it just it reminded me of something I'd hear on the podcast. And the weird, <laughs> weird thing is, as soon as as soon as I read it, I was like, "Oh Christ, I need a piss." <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like it was like you you know you'd somehow had that power over me through um, through Facebook Messenger um, to make me uh, to make me want to have a piss. Um, it's one of my skills. I, d- I don't doubt that for a minute, mate. I really don't. Um, but um, yeah, so look, thanks for doing this. This is this is really weird because I kind of, I sort of feel like um, I feel like you're 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 cheating on Paul with me. <laughs> well, that's how I felt when you interviewed him. I was listening to it in the back garden, uh, sawing up some wood for my fire. I was like, oh, I wish I was there. I want to talk to that dude. I want to be answering. I could have said something good there. I've got a better answer than Paul. I, I can just imagine you listening and going like, oh, for fuck's sake, that's a shit answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, well, funnily enough, right, something OMS have got to sort out is, um, I, I, as you know, I do the bare minimum of research. Um, so I, uh, I'm basically like the opposite of you. Um, and um, I, I, I tried to do some research and the, and the only websites that I could find with the OMS lineup in, you're still in a fucking band. <laughs> I know, it's, uh, it's funny when I'm going through Facebook and like gig pictures come up and it's like me playing in Bristol on the 12th of November. It's like, I can't do that. Oh. <laughs> it was really weird. I was just like, I, 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 like, I, I properly started like 
searching the internet. I, was, I went to the Bandcamp page. I went to Facebook. I looked at. I was reduced to basically going onto Instagram and then making the pictures bigger and peering at the at the people <laughs> in the band and right, right, okay, that right. He's definitely. Not, I thought I had it right that he wasn't in them, but uh, there's a couple of websites that. Well, the website, you know, like you know, your big review websites like you know metal fucking kingdom or archives or whatever it is that's it metal archives yeah well you're you're still in them there yeah i think um because we're such a small band no one in the sort of major press or anything really gives a shit to be honest no it's not like anyone would really know it was still me uh, so just one thing when you leave can you leave the alarm on because i'm going to be here still cheers sorry about that mate i've got cleaners <laughs> cleaning around me oh that's all are you still at work yeah Right, okay, because I, I just wanted to establish that, whether you were still at work or whether you were rich enough to have cleaners. <laughs> no, this is my mansion, yeah. Uh, they're going to do the Ferraris later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, have the neighbours shot because they've been loud. Um, yeah. Uh, I, well, I, so when did, you, when did you leave OMS then? Uh, 2000 and, end of 2017, maybe. Right, so a couple of years now then. Yeah, it probably is. I sort of recorded some of the last album and then was ejected halfway through. Oh, right. So you're not making any bones about it. You were you were thrown out, were you? By Paul himself. Oh, fuck me. This is gold. Carry on. Yeah, weirdly, I've never spoken about it. I've had a few, like when it first happened, um, I had a few people say, oh, do you want to do an interview or whatever? And I was like, nah, fuck it. I'm not here to like anyone on the bus or be a cunt about it but now like, I'm over it a bit I'll fucking slag the shit out of them if it gets you some listens <laughs> well look to be to be fair um, uh, uh, Paul messaged me and said I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, hearing the interview so uh, let's ruin that day <laughs> <laughs> no it was uh, it was obviously a horrible thing to have happen um, but it wasn't working I wanted to go in a more not commercial direction because our sort of music's never going to be commercial but I wanted to like pull it back rein it in a bit to more uh, like maybe just like five to eight minute songs and they all seem to be getting this massive erection for like this 25 minute song that was going to be like a whole stage show and have a cinema thing going on behind it I was just like oh that tied with having a full time job where I work six days a week pretty much you know I'm here it's almost seven o'clock in the evening uh, plus, I've got two kids to look after and a wife to look after. It all got a bit too much, um, as it does with a lot of people. And then I just got a message from Paul saying, uh, we're moving on without you. And it was like, fucking fine. Uh, and then we decided to do a podcast. <laughs> that, and so he, he dumped you by message? Yeah, bitch, eh? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm old school. I would have <laughs> I'd, I'd have come round your house so I could see the look on your face. <laughs> yeah, you'd have really rubbed it in. Yeah. Got some of my my tears in a little vial and drank them. I, I no. I, firstly, I would have told you about all the plans we've got coming up for the following year, <laughs> and then say, uh, but uh, you'll be happy to know you're not going to be part of them. <laughs> yeah, but now me and Paul have been friends since I was probably 15 years old. So it's going to take. Something more than that to uh, to sort of break us up as best buddies. Yeah, and and that I mean, well, it's it's obvious just listening to the podcast that obviously it hasn't had any effect on um, on your friendship. Or was it was it you know was it a bit difficult for a while? Yeah, uh, no, um, 
with Paul, it was like fine. It was just almost a relief in a way. Like, to be fair, if I hadn't have been booted, I probably would have, in six months, flipped my lid one too many times and stormed off anyway. Ah, right. Okay, so that was your, your you're a you're a you're a stormer, are you? <laughs> Not very often, um, but I'd sort of go a little build up and up and up, and then bang, I'll just do something silly and I'll be gone. Right. Okay. So, well, that was avoided. So that's that's presumably that's best for all concerned. Yeah, I still speak to a couple of the other members of the band as well. Uh, Cheney and uh, Max are still good friends, but don't get out to see them very much. But we we text all the time and have a laugh and stuff. So. Oh, that's cool. And and so, but it, it just seems like a strange time to do it, like whilst recording an album. Well, it was trying to learn, like. I know, like, you guys have long technical songs uh, in your band, but trying to remember a 25-fucking-minute song with God knows how many parts, how many time changes, I'd, like, go home and, because of the lack of time, forget by next week and come to rehearsal thinking, oh, shit, I need to, like, relearn all that again, where everyone else is ready to move on, so I was kind of holding them back in a way, I guess. But also, I think I think you you know what you're referring to what you said earlier. You're right. It, it, you know, it might not have even been six months because if you start, if at any point you get to in a band, at any point if you get to where it starts feeling like work or a job or just something that you don't want to do, for instance, if you loved that 25 minute song, it would be it wouldn't have been a fucking chore. But yeah. you didn't, so it was. So it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy, really. Yeah, exactly right. It's just the way it is. You know, maybe in a few years' time, if things change, I'll go back or do another band. But I've been writing songs, um, and I've got a, a friend here in Canterbury. Have you heard of a doom band called Famine? Um, I haven't. No, but we'll get on. No. We'll get on to exactly how many bands that you guys talk about that I haven't heard of <laughs> yeah, in, in, in a bit. But I've been hanging out with the drummer of them just because he lives in the same town. Um, and we sort of talked about, I've got loads of songs that are like stacked up ideas that never got used for ohms and new stuff that I've been writing. So hopefully I'll do something with that one day. Maybe if it's just even me in a studio on myself and no one ever listens to it. <laughs> well, uh, you've got to get it out. If, you, if the music's in you, you've got to get it out. And uh, I, I think once you've, once you've been on releases as well and, you've, and you've, you've got it out, you know, further than most people do, it's 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 quite an addictive thing. I mean, fucking hell. I mean, I thought I'd I thought I'd gone over it and purged myself, but nope. Years years later, it, it it's still eating away at you. So well, yeah, weirdly, that's how Ohms came about. Like me and Paul, uh, or Paul and I, should I say, were in a band called The Baby's Three, which was like an emo hardcore band. Uh, I was in my late teens, early twenties, and that sort of you know followed its natural course. We all uh, you know got massive egos and fucked each other's girlfriends and the band broke up. Um, and then like 10 years later, I think it was about 2013, we said, oh, should we get some of the guys back together and give that a go? And it was sort of fun doing it for, you know, a couple of shows. We recorded an album that never got released. Um, and we we're all just like, oh, this is fine, but it's not what we really want to do. So some people dropped out and a few more people came in and that's where Ohms came from. Ah right, so, so it was um, it it's it's kind of just developed into a, a, a relatively serious band. Yeah, sort of never really meant to happen. Um, we started writing songs and then started 
thought we might as well record them. Uh, and Paul, when Paul gets into something, he gets like seriously into it and won't let go. He's like a cat that's got hold of a toy uh, and just has to play with it all the time. Uh, very, very obsessive character, which is great because, you know, it, it helps drive things to, to be done. Uh, like without Paul's drive, the podcast would never have got off the ground. I'm sure we'd have done like one episode. And if he wasn't into it, then then it wouldn't happen. And it's the same with Ohms. We were all just like, yeah, cool, like band. And then Paul's like, no, I really see a lot in this. I think this can be good. Uh, and he sent it off to loads of record labels. And we ended up on Holy Raw. And, um, and of course, you ended up on Holy Raw because um, Paul wrote a really nice letter. <laughs> so the story goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that story. I love that story. Um, and funnily enough, again today, when I was thinking about when, when, when I was doing my um, inverted commas research and, and I was pretty sure you weren't in the band but couldn't find any evidence to prove it. Yeah, we never mentioned it or even put out on Facebook that I'm not in the band anymore. It just sort of was like, I can't be asked to answer questions. He didn't want to answer questions. So fuck it, just leave it. New guy started uh, and off they went. Yeah, and 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 when I was doing when I was doing all that research, I was thinking one of the only clues I had was, well, surely if he was still in the band, um, Paul wouldn't uh, Paul wouldn't have like dragged me off into a, a into a dressing room to do that to do that interview whilst <laughs> whilst leaving whilst leaving you like wandering around the building going where the fuck is he? You know? Well, you say that going back to Paul being so fucking driven, uh, different times used to be twice a week so i was on the main show that comes out on a saturday and then we'd sort of take turns on the midweek show doing like uh, it was a bit different we'd like do interviews and stuff um but it got too much trying to put out two a week and we finally sort of realized we need to back it off because a we're sort of overwhelming the audience and b we're not finding the time to get it all done yeah yeah you're not uh, you're not bill burr Two podcasts no. a week is um, that's a hell of an ask. Well, I manage one a month, so um, <laughs> you know I can't. I can't re- it's just the kind of format that I've sort of settled on, really. Um, yeah. But you know, it is what it is. And and look, I love the podcast, and and I know a lot of I know a lot of the um, talking bollocks listeners um, and and patrons as well uh, love it. Um, and I'm always I'm always amazed by the two. First of all, I fucking hate kiss i mean like <laughs> everything about them the cock songs the it's just the song titles in fact i listened to your most recent episode um yesterday and one of the songs that gene wrote with like let me put a log on your fire or something like that That's i was right. like just fucking you should have your head cut off for even yeah. suggesting that shit and um and um and i was i i but but i've still listened fascinated to um to, to the two of you talking about it and, and I love the way that the weird thing is is like you do this whole you do you've done this special on Kiss and it was all Paul's idea and Paul is a Kiss fan and then you're the one with all the facts you've done all the research and you're just revealing all this stuff about Kiss that he doesn't know well the way but, I look at it you're he's the fan the, he's yeah, the fan he's, he's the fan so he's got like the stories to tell like the passion about it uh, which I don't have because I've, I've, I've Obviously, I've known who Kiss are, and I know like the big songs like Crazy Crazy Nights and God Gave Rock and Roll to You and stuff like that. Yeah. But he knows the albums inside out. So if I do all the, if I don't do the factual side of it, I'm going to have nothing to say. I'll just be sitting there watching him go on about Kiss for two hours. 
True, fair enough. So you've you've um, ar- you've armed yourself with yeah. information that can feign interest. So yeah, when we do like insane clown posse next time, he'll have to do the research, and I can just go on about all the stuff I already know. Right. Okay. So you're a juggalo, are you? Yeah, big time. All right. Okay. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I, again, the, the, it's so diverse the stuff that you come up with, and uh, I have to say, I mean, I've been I've been listening for about a year, I reckon, probably about a year. Um, and uh, I mean, I've yet to find a band through <laughs> through the podcast. I have to say. Um, but, uh, I never fail to get all excited by, um, by, by the passion that you've both got for such, such a, such a massively wide ranging taste in music. Um, and funnily enough, last night's episode again was, was, um, I was actually lying in the bath listening to it. And, That's um, a good place. It is, it is. And, um, and, uh, you, like, he was going on about Poppy, and you were saying, oh, it's great. And I thought, right, okay, pausing the podcast, I'm going to check Poppy out. <laughs> like, fuck me. Jesus fucking Christ. You didn't like it. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it's... There is... There there are elements to it that I that I like, um, but I, the very first song that I came on was 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 basically a reggae vibe and i i, I, I fucking hate reggae um just, yeah i'm not a massive reggae fan i haven't heard that one but yeah that's one of the only genres that are, with guitars in it that i'm not really into yeah me, me too it's not it, no, i mean i'm i'm give any genre a chance um apart from reggae and country and western um and um and and then i was i was flicking through it and i was just like I I I I listened to two or three songs, watched two or three videos, and then um, uh, and then listened to the re- and then kind of rewound what you were saying, and I could pick out all of the all of the reasons why you like it, but it's just that all all, all of that is in every song. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a mishmash, but I just love anything that's a bit different that I haven't heard before. Like when I got forty uh, the other day, and. Um, it seems like you hear the same thing over and over again. But um, the reason I'm late at work tonight is I was doing my top ten of the year list because we're recording that tomorrow. Um, and there's only a couple of bands on there that aren't... That it's the first thing I've heard of this band. But a lot of it is... Um, like either like legacy bands, like I've got Corn in there, but don't tell anyone. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Dude, that is in my top five. Oh, really? Yes. No, I'm not wrong. No, I'm no, no. Even d- you agree with me. Well, funnily enough, I even I even messaged my best mate and said, uh, uh, "You're not going to believe this, but um, I really like the new Corn album so much that I bought the CD." And he messaged me back and went, and he went, uh, <laughs> and he went, "Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Shh, don't tell anyone." Yeah, it is like almost like a dirty secret. But they were one of the bands when I was like hmm, eighteen or nineteen when the first album came out. Uh, I fucking love them then, you know, put my hair in dreadlocks and bleached it blonde and all that stuff, bought an Adidas tracksuit. Brilliant. I wouldn't... <laughs> uh, and then I didn't give a shit about them for years and years and years. And this came out on the list of things to review and it was like, oh, fuck it, I might as well put it on. I can say some horrible stuff about it to Paul and make him laugh. Yes, then, yeah. Driving along in the car, listening to us, actually, this is like, all right. It's like grown up a bit. It's not so... Um, fake angsty as a lot of it's been and it's a bit more guitar based than because it went very keyboardy for a while didn't it 
I yeah. was like really pleased with it. But also, also, I read um, I read an article where Jonathan Davies said that he he listened back to a low a load of like some of the classic rock, well, what he called sort of classic rock, but it, basically what he meant was kind of classic Def Leppard, you know, pirate, um, <laughs> hysteria and um, and the other one, the follow up, I can't remember what it's called. Adrenalise. Um, oh, that's the one. Yeah, and um, and he said, uh, and and he was like. He was just taken back by like the massive vocals, and and I and and I thought, you know what? For once, I'm reading something by a band member who says like, you know, I listened to this and I wanted to try and you know bring an element of that to the new album. And usually, you read something like that and go, what are you talking about, you idiot? There's no evidence of that on the album whatsoever. Yeah. But, but in this case, I was like, do you know what? He's right. You know, there's there's. The, the layered vocals on that album are, yeah, yeah, definitely. Is, is, and it makes such a massive difference it really does you know he's not relying on just being angsty he's properly singing and there's some such great catchy grooves and massive choruses on it it's it is i can see you know that 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 big chorus kind of um def leppard vibe that he's brought yeah. to it and it actually I'm, works i'm going to have to go back on my way home tonight and listen to it again with that in mind, definitely. I, I was just really, really impressed with it, I have to say. And I mean, which, which was a big surprise because the first track is just him playing the bagpipes crying and that, <laughs> and that ain't no way to start an album, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I think I mentioned it at the time. I think like, that must be the producer going, oh, we need to do uh, something with the bad bagpipes and you crying Jonathan because that's what corn's all about and they sort of reluctantly went yeah all right then uh and just had to stick it on there because the record company said sort of situation maybe because that doesn't fit with the vibe of the rest of the record at all no not at all I mean there's there's even some sort of positive songs in there and you know and um and there's there's one song where he's um where he's uh he's having a pop at god as well and I thought wow that you know head is obviously you know, approve those lyrics. Yeah, because so. he's mega Christian now, isn't he? Well, did you did you ever read his did you ever read his book? Um, how I how I um, uh, quit drugs, left corn, and found God. I can't say I picked that one up. Well, I I did read it, and let me tell you, it is a very good book until he quits corn, gets off drugs, and finds God. Maybe I'm going to get that for Paul for Christmas. <laughs> well, you know, this is this is the podcast that likes to help people out. If it helps you out, you know, getting some Christmas, getting some stuff on your Christmas list, then um, that's fine by me. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've read a, a music biography. I did um, the Anthony Kiedis one. I really love that. Um, scar tissue. Oh, they, isn't it a bit weird? There's stories of him, like you know, him and his him and his dad spit roasting women and high fiving over their backs <laughs> and shit. Just... Well, there are some good passages in it, yeah. But I really like that. And I'm reading at the moment. I say at the moment. I probably started it over a year ago. In fact, it's Paul's copy that I nicked. A Life in Metal by Dave Mustaine. Oh yeah, yeah. That's 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 a good book. Apart from the fact that he's completely deluded that Megadeth are the fastest, heaviest band that ever lived. Yeah, he does love himself a bit, doesn't it? And it comes through uh, quite a lot, like saying about, oh, I could have been one of the footballer jocks if I wanted to, and all that. Yeah, but, yeah. And I'm and I'm, that, a bla- I'm a black belt in origami. I'll fold you yeah. to death, you know, and all that shit. Yeah. But he's another one that found uh, God and Jesus and everyone. 
and I, I think I'm just getting to that part in the book. Yeah, but uh, again, it's it's you know there is an argument, and there, there's an argument to be had about the twelve step program being a um, uh, a Christian recruiting tool, um, and especially given that there's a, there's a chapter to the atheist and the agnostic in the um, uh, in the twelve step book, and it basically says, uh, yeah, you need to fuck that off and believe in God. <laughs> 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 which which hardly seems <laughs> hardly seems fair, but yeah, um, that's what I was really impressed with um, with Hetfield actually because he he um, he got out he he got off alcohol um, without becoming religious and um, and found uh, found because they basically say you have to have a higher power and uh, we recommend it's God it should be God is it God it's not well it should be but um, <laughs> you know he kind of went a different route with it but uh, obviously that's uh, just come a little bit unstuck recently. Yeah. Did you see the SM2 thing at the cinema recently? Um, myself? Hey, actually, wow, that is so trippy. Guess what? I went to see it at the cinema with our guitarist, Paul. So <laughs> you and I both went with a Paul to the cinema to see SM2. We did. We did. Magic. Did you like it? Um, uh, not as much as uh, the two of you reviewing it, actually. Um, no. <laughs> uh, well, no, I, 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 I did. I mean, I'm uh, myself and uh, my Paul. We're both huge, huge, huge fans of the original, and um, uh, I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's not. I, it, it is S and M two, but the title's misleading because it's clearly not just the second version of the first one. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's S and M revisited. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, uh, yeah, I thought the I thought I thought the, the 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 orchestra playing on their own was fine, but I know what classical music is like, so I could have done without that. Um, I thought Metallica playing along with the classical music was a bit redundant because they were just basically just doing the same thing for about three minutes. Um, and um, but one thing that um, Paul and I noticed was that basically. The one thing for me it really lacked was Michael Kamen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was sort of like almost part of the band in the first one, wasn't he? In terms of how they got together and wrote it all and all that. Well, the thing is, it well, it actually, sort of and sort of not. Basically, Michael Kamen is an absolute, complete, and total legend. I mean, you know, you look at the movie scores and everything, else, and he yeah. he he scored those songs like they were like, like they were little miniature exactly movies. Right. Yeah, that's in fact we when we did early early on, we did a deep dive into Metallica, and we just covered all the non main albums, and obviously the first S and M was one of them. And before I read who Michael Kamen was and what he'd done, um, it was they sound like the uh, like the music is now, it should be like Mission Impossible or something like that because it's that yes. energetic. Yeah, wherever I may roam, the intro to that just sounds like a bonfire. Oh, it's love just, it. It's fucking does my head in. It's amazing. And, That's um, my favourite Metallica song as it is, which I know is a bit of a weird one, uh, but there you go. But then hearing that version of it, I absolutely love it. I'll go. I'll go weirder. I knew that that was your favourite Metallica song. How's that? <laughs> Yeah. Listen to the Metallica version and listen to your Metallica podcast. Yeah, um, which uh, which I enjoyed, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it, I just felt it really lacked um, it lacked came and the, the 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 guy who was doing it this time round or the, the, there was more than one the, the arrangements weren't up to his standards and also 
um, I think it suffered a little bit because when the first one came around, basically it was Michael Kamen saying, hey, guys, um, I've written strings to all of these songs. Why don't you come and play your music with all of the strings that I have written? Me, I've written them because I'm Michael Kamen and you don't fuck with that shit. And they went, yeah, OK, that'd be quite cool. Whereas I kind of got the feeling this time around that the guys who were who were arranging it were were you know sending it over and going oh you know what do you think it, what do you think to this guys and i just think it was it was a typical sort of metallica millennium project which that you know they're all over instead of kind of dipping into that world it's like no we want an element of control and we want to be able to you know we want to we want you to run the string arrangements past us so we can to put our two penneth in yeah their stamp on it, produce it a little bit, I guess, yeah. Yeah. And I, but I, I, the thing I loved the most, and I'd like to do more, was actually going out somewhere to see music being played, but not uh, being uncomfortable. Like, sitting in the <laughs> cinema with a beer was really nice. Just sitting there and being able to get up and walk out at the end. Yes. Uh, and be, like, ten minutes from my house. Because where we are in Canterbury and Thanet, there's not a lot of music that isn't like basically in a pub yeah yeah I, I know exactly what you mean and and it was it was it was nice to not have to spend 140 quid at the merch desk as well oh tell me about it did you hear uh, i went to ghost the other day that's uh, why I, that's, that's why the 140 pound <sighs> reference fuck me <laughs> well, it's so expensive I'm tra- i was online looking for again christmas presents for paul thinking i'll i'll find some like weird obscure band to like get a t-shirt for him and old T-shirts seem to be like 20, 25 quid now. It's just unbelievable. When I was Dylan Holmes, I used to hate it. Uh, like when you play some festivals, they'll make you put your merch up more expensive. But if you stand in there seeing someone pay like 20 quid for the T-shirt, it's like I almost want to go over them and say, fucking don't do that. Come follow me to the van and I'll give you one for a tenner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember back in the day going to see Twisted Sister on the Come Out and Play tour. And... Um... And they came out and, um, you know, the, the, the merch, you know, the, the bootleggers back in those days were just fucking blatant. And, um, and I was looking at this shirt and this merch guy was going, oh, okay, do, you, do you want it, do you want it? And I just went, do you do mail order? And he just looked at, and he just looked at me like, you cunt. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, uh, but to be fair, right, let's, let's, let's be completely honest. I know you're a big fan of Ghost, but it's, it's, it's actually Tobias Forge isn't it it's a, yeah, it's oh, a solo yeah, it's yeah. a solo project of course yeah yeah it's um I mean you've got to hand it to the guy I'm not a fan but um he's done he's he's done an amazing job I mean he's just he's driven that right from right from the get-go um but I've I, I don't know I'm I subscribe to the it's it's marketed like the exorcist but it sounds like Scooby-Doo what's wrong with that <laughs> Um, well, uh, very good point. Well, it, it, misrepresentation, that's what's wrong with it. <laughs> I, I, I love the image, and I was, exp- I love the image, and before I'd heard him, I was like, I, you know, oh, what can I, and I, and I was kind of like, I was expecting uh, an updated Merciful Fate. And, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking, like, or maybe even something with, like, death metal vocals or black metal vocals, because I didn't know anything other than seeing a picture. Yeah. Uh, Paul and I were at Sonosphere, I think it was, I was like, oh, I've got to check out this band, but they look fucking, well, wicked. So off we popped. Then they were like, 
Blue Oyster Cult or something. It was like, oh, I don't dislike it, but it's not what I was expecting. Um, and yeah, it just sort of grew from there. Really. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think it's 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 one of those things where you're you're either all in or you're all out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and um, uh, and I mean, listening to you guys, uh, I, I listened to your was it a three part on Converge you did. Yeah. You went through it. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, again, I, I I love listening to you two talk about music, but rarely do I love the music that you're talking about. You're not into Converge. It's there's just I can't pick out a stru- I can't pick out song structures. I can't. Um, I, I I I love I loves me a song structure. Do you know what I mean? I, I can um, understand that. Yeah, uh, there's not many that I like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle, eight, end sort of things that converge. Yeah, yeah, and 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 not that not that everything has to be that. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know. Uh, also, so that's one of the. Again, things going back to the Ohms thing. That's what I wanted more of: more structure and more things that more hooks, basically. Not necessarily like Freddie Mercury style choruses, but just something that people can latch onto at one point in the song and then come back to a couple of parts later, you know, and revisit that same riff. Maybe play it slightly differently or that same vocal hook. Um, so when you listen to them, you'll find the more straight up songs are my one. And the demented, like twenty-minute ones, they're, they're someone else's. <laughs> well, uh, well, again, I, I, in, in in that case, you know, you were completely right to leave. Um, but uh, I look, I, I, that is that's very much where I come from as well. Is 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 structured, like you said, something for something, give people something to hold on to, you mm. know, so so they know where they are. Again, just with Poppy, the stuff. You know, I, tr- I tried to listen to last. I was just like, well, uh, you know, fuck me. I just don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I really, really fucking don't. This is just, just... Sometimes when we're, like, putting these bands on there, it does, like, feel like a dare, like how much we can push people and, like, find out what we can get them to listen to. Like, we did uh, one a few months back where it was, like, soundscapes, and it was literally just a woman playing uh, a piano that had been set on fire. Oh. So it was just like... <laughs> We'd like played it on there, and people were like messaging saying, "Oh yeah, that was interesting. I don't really know. Like, I've never heard anything like that before." It's like, yeah, too right, you haven't. They've got like two friends on Facebook, and that's about it. I, I mean, I must admit, I, I, I do find all of those quite amusing. But I was like, yeah, I, I remember that, and I was just thinking, I was thinking, anybody doing this deserves to go up in flames with the fucking piano. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know why even even just having that idea just having that idea there's got to be somebody in your life that knows you that's relatively close to you that goes yeah don't do that yeah you maybe know? maybe start with something else rather than a piano yeah 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 exactly and it, and, and again it, it is it's is a bit ostentatious isn't it you know uh, i'm just I, you know i'm going to play this kazoo and set it on fire no a piano <laughs> uh, I'm going full on piano. Um, yeah, I just complete and total madness, absolute madness. But um, I, I, um, you've got, I mean, you two always. Uh, is it the case that Paul is always uh, drinking a beer when you do the podcast? It seems like yeah, it. pretty much. And it's always like some sort of shady wheat beer. He can't have like a Budweiser, like a normal person, or like a Stella or something. It always yeah. has to be a bit hipster. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I, I can't, I cannot st- stand IPAs and all of that stuff. Like, just does my head in. I, I like beer flavored beer. I'm weird like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to kick it at the moment, so I don't actually um, drink when we're there because uh, I have to drive back, and I don't. My job involves driving, so I don't want to lose my license. Yes. Uh, at home, I'm actually trying to give up at the moment. And when I go around there, and he's like drinking beer and spilling it all over the place, and it's all I can smell. It's like, oh, <laughs> when I get home, I'm definitely, definitely going to get hammered. <laughs> well, I'm funnily enough, I'm well. We, we're about to go away, so I'm off the uh, I'm off the beer anyway. Um, but it, I, I, I I stopped drinking for I think it was about four or five months, a couple of years ago, and um, I, I mean, I heart, I can heartily recommend it. I really can. It's, um... Yeah, I'm trying. I managed to do, because it was my 40th birthday, like I said, I managed three days without a beer, which is quite long for me. Well, I, I can genuinely say that if you if you can get, the, the key is the first week. Yeah, I had a bit of a, like my grandma died in Spain and it's just like, oh, even though we weren't that close, it was just like, fuck it, that's some bad news. I need to be. Right. Okay. And now, are you, now you weren't you weren't sat there sobbing, going, "This one's for you, Granny." You were going, "Oh, that's an excuse." <laughs> excuse. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, you called me out on it. I that. <laughs> yeah, you weren't you weren't doing the uh, you weren't doing the Italian America. You know, the, like you know, spilling a bit of beer on the floor. <laughs> for know. my dead Granny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's for you, Gran. Uh. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it is. It's really difficult. Like any excuse, like oh, I've had a good day at work. I deserve a beer. I've had a shit day at work. Oh, I'll have a beer to cheer myself up. It's just like oh, I need to break that cycle uh, and find something to do. So doing the podcast is actually a nice way of being out of the house and being away from it. Well, I think Paul spills it on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing the podcast is a great way of getting away from it until, until you actually do it. And Paul's half cut. Um, but and I know he's listening to this, and and you know I love you, love you to bits, Paul. This is this is not the anti-Paul podcast. Um, but no, um, different that's later. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one the patrons are going to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so first question for you from the patrons: Why is Paul such a massive cunt? Um, <laughs> not at all. Well, it's, it's a long, long story with many chapters. That one. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, like I said, the first week, the first week is once you can get a week under your belt, you're like, right, even if you're in a situation, because I mean, I, I work a lot in pubs because I do stand up and um, and I run some uh, I run some pub quizzes as well. So I'm, I'm literally just I'm just in pubs all the time um, and especially doing stand up. But there was one point where I realized I was just going to have to really rein it in and um once you get that week under control, that that first week, it is very much a case of, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to break it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like I've now got, you know, I don't, and it gives you that gives you that sense of right, okay, I really don't want to do that because I've done one week, and then like I can then do two weeks, and um, and the one thing I will say as well, I don't know if it'd be the same for you, but for me, after the first month. The weight just fell off me. Absolutely fell off me. And I found myself basically being able to just eat anything I want and just not put any weight on. That sounds good. Well, I'm a, I'm a bit, I, I love my food. And um, and that is that is a very positive upside. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I also love my food. And I love cooking as well. When I get home, um, 
I'm not one of those guys who sits there and waits for his wife to do it all. I, I, I look forward to getting home and cooking dinner. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, well, I've, I've just made a I just made a curry this evening. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. And, um, well, I, I, it was a bit of a it was <laughs> a culturally insensitive beef curry. A bit yeah. of a Frankensteiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or a Moshkinsteiner, should I say. Ooh, see what he's done there. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I was quite proud of it. It was a good job. Um, but you see, well, look, you you brought it up. I, I had a massive smile on my face. I um, I drove up, I had a really big weekend. I had to drive up to Manchester. I was going and I went out in Manchester with some, some friends of mine I don't get to see very often. And then I drove across from Manchester to Lancaster because I was uh, emceeing a wedding of two Acid Rain fans. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I know it was, and and on the way and on the way back, um, I uh, I listened to um, the uh, the Acid Rain special, um, and uh, and you listening to uh, to Motherly Love, and I was honestly, I was absolutely. I was on tender hooks. I was, I was absolutely. I was just like, if you, if you'd said, oh, I thought it was shit, mate. I was, I'd have had to, I'd, <laughs> I'd have had to pull over and and you know and just like take a breath. No, mate, my uh, my little boy, he's six, and he absolutely loves um, motherly love. He always asks me to put it on. That's I, that is. I I think I remember you saying that you that you you you. you your boy had had would liked it as well, and I was it was I, I was absolutely grinning from ear to ear. I could not get the <laughs> smile off my face. I really couldn't. I think it's just because it says "mummy" or "mother" in it. Um, come come here, Norman. I want to see you. He loves that bit, that chorus. Yeah, I, I weird, so weird. Given that that was written in nineteen eighty seven. Wow. Yeah, possibly even the end of '86. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's so weird to be talking to you about it now, being 49 years old, and this thing that you know is a band that I put together at school initially. It wasn't Acid Rain to start with, but it became it. Um, to be doing it all again now is it really does make me just kind of double take. Mm. Well, I get, quite often get people coming up like uh, from years ago, like saying about my old band, saying, "Oh, oh yeah, I like Ohms, but um, we were back, we were into the old, your old band, the Baby's Free, back in the day, and we saw you this gig and that gig, uh, and it's like, oh wow, but and like you say, it's like, fuck me, that was so long ago. How does anyone remember? And what's even weirder is when people tell you uh, that they saw you at a gig that you were never at. Uh, <laughs> yes, it happens all the you, time. There's that's not metal podcast. Must have heard of that one. Um, I don't think I have. No. Oh, you're, no. you're dishing all the top tips tonight. Well, on that's not metal podcast, which is awesome. One of the chaps on that said to Paul, "Oh yeah, I saw the babies supporting like Shia Lud or something like that at some gig." Someone was like, "No, that was never us." But we didn't want to like go. No, you're wrong. What are you? Some sort of dickhead? Like halfway through. <laughs> an interview. I, yeah. No. I I do find that. Um, Especially with our audience being a little bit uh, of a certain age, um, and and usually have spent a lot of that th- those years drinking, a lot of people are like, "Oh, I remember when I saw you." And I'm like, no, not us. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Or, or and, but the one the one that does wind me up, and I will put, pull people up, and they go, they go, "Oh yeah, fish dancing," and they go, "No, that's Lomo Death, not us. Fuck off." <laughs> um, and because uh, that that does really wind me up. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, do it, gigs that you never played, and or or festivals that you were never on, or yeah, like. Exactly. You know, Oh, I remember when I saw you in 1992 in Hull. It's like, well, we 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 split in '91, but you know, <laughs> and I've never been to Hull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, you do. You, it is very, very odd when, but also it's even odder when people argue the point with you about your own life. Yeah, exactly right. It's like, are you are you sure? It's like, well, <laughs> pretty yeah. sure. I just let them have it. Go, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Walk on. <laughs> That that is very good of you, um, but funnily, funnily enough, um, there's uh, a couple of members of Acid Rain. Um, well, actually, uh, one in particular, Paul, who's a who's a big, he was um was is an Acid Rain super fan, um, and um, when he when we did when we did the first tour, and for about the first year, people would come up and go, oh, I remember when I saw you, I remember when I saw you guys in blah blah, and he'd go, not me, mate. Yeah, and then after a while, I think um, Mark, our drummer, just just said to him, "Do you know what? It's like you you just don't need to do that. Just let him have yeah. it. Just because, say thanks, give it to him. Yeah, just let him have it." And he was like, "Yeah, do you know what? You're right. You're right. It's it is, but it's even weirder for him because like when we play Bloodstock and we were, we're in the signing tent, and people are like coming up, and he's he's sat there, and people are bringing this stuff and, and to, for us to sign, and he's going, oh wow, that's really weird. Where did you get this? And it's, it's literally like, so he's they're asking him to sign it, and he's fanning out over the stuff that they're bringing in because <laughs> like got one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, and like oh that's a really cool shirt. Oh yeah, remember that tour? Oh, fucking, oh, I wish I'd got one of those. You know, it's it's just a really is a really bizarre dynamic, um, which is cool. Which is really why it's so cool to have a new album out because, you know, they've all, they've they've all spent you know four years signing albums they never played on. Yeah, it'd be nice for them to finally put their name to the to their own record. Well, it is, and the weird thing is, we were, when we were handed the very first one to sign, which was for Andy Pilkington at the Leicester show, actually that we did with um, with, with Oms. Uh, Ohms, sorry, and um, and and he gave it to us to sign. And normally, we just deface the albums and scrawl cocks all over them, and and just yeah, jam- as is as is as is right. Yeah, but all of a sudden, it's like it was given to me, and I was like, I had the pen, and I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to. <laughs> and we we all just we all just wrote really nice, polite messages and, and you know signed it really tidily and. And you know, didn't want to, didn't want to draw on the the dude, the jester's face and stuff like that. You know, it was just, it was really, really weird. But mm. um, you know, such is life. Uh, I, I do have to ask. Um, you did mention on one of the podcasts that you, um, you thought that um, you said that you, uh, uh, you know, a few people you know or in your on your Facebook had mentioned our album and that the um, the uh, that the cover was quite divisive. Yeah, very split opinions on that. Yes. I, I totally, it, it's it's really, really weird. It's like people literally are either like, oh my fucking God, if it sounds like it looks, that is going to be horrendous. And other people are like, that's the like the best piece of art on an album I've seen in decades. Yeah, and it's the title that got me, and it really fits in with how sometimes people of our generation look at the younger people, how they're with their phones all the time, like my daughter's one of them, and the, the title, The Age of Entitlement, it just like sort of puts a pin on that generation. Ah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. So I, I get it. I, sort of, I think that's where you're coming from, if, 
you know, that's my opinion of it. Well, like, yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, the the age it is called the age of entitlement, not the age of people who act entitled. Um, yeah. So, so the, the my 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 point being that the age of entitlement is the age that we live in, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you can be entitled, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you may take a selfie. Now, your your view is 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 a completely valid one, as are all views because it's art. But yeah. but from my point of view, I was just trying to. It it, it was just the fact that it's, I I probably come up well. We come up against it in music and a lot in comedy as well. I mean, we announced tour dates and everyone going on about why you why you're not playing my town. Well, there you go. There's a forty five year old man being completely fucking entitled as to why we why are we not playing his town? And and it was it's, it's kind of more the fact that. You can pin a, t- a generation to it, but I think I think everybody has become more entitled. Um, mm. I work the industry I work in. Uh, I sell cars, and you get a lot of people who are completely like that. They just expect me to be their servant, sort of thing. Yeah, and because they're the one with the money, everything must be done for them, and whatever they say is right, and whatever I say is wrong, because the customer's always right, sort of attitude. Yeah, I, I, I get it in, in comedy. People coming up afterwards, oh, um, I, I didn't like that comedian. Oh, I found that very offensive. And you get, all right, OK. And yeah, as if you should apologise for it and maybe take it out for your next show or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, they, a... and, and you go, right, OK. And they go, well, you know, what happens now? It's like, well, you know, you fuck off home. That's what happens now. And <laughs> yeah. so, but it's like, but, but I have been offended. I mean, you know, what, what happens? Nothing happens. Yeah, fuck off home. Write, write your MP. You write a strongly worded letter to the local newspaper, you fucking cunt. You know, do whatever you like, but it's just... And especially in comedy, I just always make the point that, well, the comedian didn't cause offence. You took offence. You can only take offence. You can't cause offence. And there's a lot of stuff going around the internet these days about is it, like, comedy's now more difficult because you can't be offensive you've got to be so guarded about what you say that it's getting in the way of the jokes well there is that or alternatively you can just do what you do and stand by it and argue your your case and you know i i I think ultimately look i mean it's never been cool to you know hate speech as it's now called it's never been called to be racist it's never been called to be homophobic it's never been called to be sexist it's that you know i've been doing stand-up 25 years none of that has been cool for the last 25 years it's just that um people are now so hypersensitive to everything that comedians feel like it's necessary and i just think that's a bit of a shame because i think ultimately you have to you have to write material that comes from same as music you know it comes from your soul it's your opinions it's your beliefs it's whatever it is you do it you stand by it you do it with conviction but you have to be prepared for somebody to come up to you and say right i disagree or i was offended blah blah and you have to be able to stand there and go right okay well here's why you're wrong or here's why where i'm coming from and here's but most of the time anyone who gets offended by comedy is it's the old adage all jokes are funny unless they're about me somebody will sit there and they will laugh at cancer patients and they will laugh at um they'll laugh at people dying in car crashes and then uh they'll laugh at child abuse and then you do something on cancer and they total stony face because my dad's going through chemo they say Mm. oh right so everybody else that you can throw them in the bin they're fine yeah fuck them 
yeah but because somebody in your family at the moment's got cancer um i'm now in the wrong it's like well it just doesn't work like that you know but, yeah totally people need to be a bit more i don't know grown up's the right word but just a bit more chilled and accepting of things don't they everything's especially with all the, the political climate at the moment everything is so sensitive um, yeah yeah and well the one thing you don't do is mention brexit that's basically <laughs> you know so where do you stand on that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it, it is it's like it's it's the equivalent of doing like it's the equivalent of doing diana jokes two years after she died yeah, yeah so i get it uh, with it. customers at work um some of them will ask or try and like poke around and try and find out where i stand on it and oh, just any excuse to like get up and walk away and try and avoid that bit of situation because you don't want to say oh yeah totally yeah, i love boris johnson as well or, or whatever <laughs> just to appease them well uh, yeah you feel like you're selling yourself out of it but then you can't also go now that guy's a company needs to get out of fucking down street and let jeremy corbyn have a go because again you'll just offend them and as soon as you as soon as you've offended someone you're not gonna get them to give you 20 grand for a car yeah absolutely i i, I absolutely get that and um yeah, well, it's weird because I, I swear, up until before Brexit, right, people kept their political opinions to themselves. I swear they yeah. did, right? I'm, honestly, I love Facebook, right? I spend hours a day just flicking through Facebook. But now I, I'm afraid to pick it up because it's either going to be a picture of yep. Boris Johnson or Jeremy Corbyn, and I'm sick yep. of seeing both of them at the moment. Well, I, I just put a, I put a post on my Facebook the other day which basically said... Um, Post, if you if you post about politics, you get snoozed for thirty days, um, and then <laughs> and then your posts start appearing again. And if you're still posting about politics, you get snoozed for another thirty days, sixty days in the hole. And if you come out of the hole after sixty days and you're still posting about politics, I just fucking unfollow you. You're done. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, still still be my friend, but I'm I'm just gonna unfollow you because I really don't give a shit about your opinion about politics. You know, and and I always say the same thing as well. It's like people are there; they'll always say, "Oh, yeah, but you know, it's important to people should be, people need to be informed." And but it's like, well, yeah, this is not the forum for that. Get out and put leaflets through letterboxes. You know. Yeah. Anyway, back to the album cover. <laughs> oh yeah, go on. <laughs> what I did love about it is how much it got people talking. So. <laughs> To, to, Whether they loved yeah. it or hated it, at least Acid Rain's album cover was all over the fucking place. Well, as it turns out, as well, do you know what we couldn't have what we couldn't have planned better was the fact that the Joker movie was going to come out just after <laughs> our, just after our album, and everyone's going, everyone thinks we're some sort of marketing geniuses. Yeah, and we, you're which, tied in with Marvel or yeah, whatever. Well, which obviously was the case. You know, that was always the plan, <laughs> Daniel. That was always the plan. Um, but uh, yeah, it did. It did. But in some cases, um, there was one particular review uh, he gave us. I think two out of ten, and and the, a third of the review just slags off the album title and the cover, and then he starts on the album. And it's and he he keeps saying how like he wasn't biased coming to the album, and it's clear he was. Um, to the to the simple fact that basically he's taken that narrative and applied it to all the songs. So th- there's a- there's actually only one song that's got anything to do with the the, the front cover, and that's New Age Narcissist, um, which is and 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 even that is basically just saying, well, it's a new New Age Narcissist. Narcissists have, you know, existed forever. 
it's just that it's a, another forum for narcissists to exist is social media. Um, and the rest of the song has got nothing to do with it. But he decided that, no, that's that's the narrative and I'm going to apply it to all the songs. And he's just like, he just basically twisted all of the songs to somehow mean. And the the, the, subtit- the, the subtitle of the review was Old Men Hate Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, and the weird thing is, he's like, Funnily enough, he straight away went, well, you know, uh, clearly this is aimed at millennials, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, you know, that's uh, the irony of that is um, that's quite entitled of you to think that. Yeah. <laughs> but well, to be fair, that, uh, I, I see where you're coming from now, but my original uh, interpretation of was, yeah, that's aimed at millennial, millennials, yeah. But I, ultimately, like you said, you know, you, you, you've been in this position, yeah, you write songs, write lyrics, Create uh, artwork, I, all the rest of it, and then once it's out there, people tell you what it's about and what you meant. <laughs> See, I'm quite lucky. I don't have to write the lyrics. Paul does that. I write. I've always written the riffs, and he does the music. That's the partnership. Yeah, but you still get you. Yeah, but you still get told who your influences are and who it sounds like, and you think, fuck um, off. Yeah, I hate that. I'm in my next band, when it happens. We're not even going to be allowed to discuss genre. If you're a journalist and you speak to me and you say, "Oh, so you're X type of music," it's like that's it. The show's over. We're not talking anymore. All right. Yeah, right. It's it's just music, man. It's just music. Yeah, don't, no genres. Yeah. Don't no don't you dare try. Yeah. You can't put you can't put me in a in a fucking pigeonhole, pal. In fact, one of the reasons, uh, if you look at any photo, uh, photographs of Ohms from when I was in it. Um, we're always just wearing plain black T-shirts. And it's because in the first first gig we did, one of us was wearing a Conan T-shirt. Uh, and he was just like, oh, you're just trying to be like Conan, aren't you? And it was like, well, well we've got to stop that because we want to be our own thing. So we're not going to advertise bands. Not necessarily advertise, but we're not going to show our influences right on our chest. Sort yeah. of, you know, so people don't see the T-shirt and go, oh, yeah, you're Conan. He's got a Deftones T-shirt on. Oh, I see where that's happened. Okay, that's what you are. You're in that pigeonhole. Not that it really works because everyone just labelled us fucking stoner and doom straight away. But fair enough. Well, um, I, um, I, when I was looking at um, uh, doing the minimal research, and I was looking on one of the websites, and it said uh, lyrical topics, um, politics, animal rights, tobogganing. <laughs> really? I, yeah, yeah. And I was like, right, okay. Well, that is. That's not what I expected, I've got to be honest. Uh, Chaney, the bass player, must have wrote that one. He's a bit unhinged. <laughs> right, OK. I'm a big fan, of, big fan of tobogganing. I mean, I haven't done it for a long time, but, you know, I don't think you have to be unhinged to be into tobogganing, or is, is, is that his nature? No, it's his nature. Right, OK. Um, so you're... Um, you guys, are, I mean, we should we should talk more about your, um, your podcast, because we've got all around the houses and... Uh, uh, let's let's end up uh, end up finish up with a bit of chat about the pod. I fucking hate it when people call it a pod. It's a fucking podcast. Um, it's you you stopped for a while. I thought that was really brave. I thought it was really brave to just go. All oh, right, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna have a break. Did did that well, aff- yeah, affect your figures at all? Well, no, uh, not really. It's when because well, I think because we sort of signed past it and said we're going, but we will be back. It was fine, but after. Like I said, we were doing two shows a week at one point, uh, and we just needed a, a break away from it to, um, you know, not 
not have to worry about it because it's a lot of listening and a lot of writing notes and sometimes a lot of research. Um, so, yeah, we just wanted to breathe her to not have to worry about it for a little while. I'm, I'm always amazed at the amount of, of music that you two manage to consume in a week. Yeah, it's hard. Again, because again, you'll find something that you really like or you think you might really like, but it's like, shit, I've got to talk about four other albums next week. I'll have to put this on the back burner. And then, of course, you find something else you like and, it's like, and the back burner just keeps going back and back and back. And what really fucked me off this week, and I was almost at the verge of tears, in fact, it was probably two weeks ago now, my Apple Music on my phone, which is where I listen to everything from because I'm in the car so much, uh, it lost everything I'd downloaded for like the last three years since I got it. So it's like, fuck. Fuck like, And even, I just didn't know what to do. Even going back, trying to do my top um, 10 albums of the year this week, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go and rather than just flick through my phone and see how oh, that came out, I like that, that came out, I'll listen to that again. I had to like go on websites and search like what had come out and just go through like lists and lists of all the releases of the last 52 weeks. Oh, shit. I, well, that's... Uh... I called them up. They were like, oh, yeah, I uh, don't know why that's happened. Um, sorry, nothing we can do about that. But you can download it all again. It's like, dude, that's like fucking 400 albums. How am I going to remember what they are? It's like, it's like you even got the list that you can send me. Oh, no, sorry, uh, customer privacy, we can't send that out. It's like, I'm the fucking customer, I just want my <laughs> albums back. There's got to be, like, when my list comes out of this year, I know it's like not really important to anyone else, but I want to feel like I've put out what I think is the best list, uh, and I'm terrified that there's going to be things like left off it. But I was going through uh, this afternoon when I should have been working, um, and I thought I had it done, and then I realised fucking Weezer Teal album I'd completely forgot about it so I had to like rearrange think, oh, where does that fit in because um, I absolutely love that and it's definitely got to be in my top 10 yeah you see I, I it, it's that's why I do I do a top 5 every year and it's it's never in order just say look these are my 5 favourite albums of the year except last year I, I made an exception because I thought that um, um, Eminem Kamikaze was was just by far the best album of the year. Oh, um, really? I never even gave that a go. What? Yeah, I'm fucking stunned. Oh man, it's. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan anyway. And um, yeah, I loved the first two albums. I saw him like one of his first shows in the UK at the Astoria. What you meant to say was we saw him. We, me, and you. Oh, you were there as well, were you? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm fucking. I, I'm. I've got the ticket on my wall just round the corner from where I'm talking to. Oh wow! I've got mine in a little. Um, do you remember when you were younger? You used to get photo albums. Probably a bit out of fashion by now. I've got a photo <laughs> What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, uh, a photo album with all the gig tickets, like going through the years, so you can like flick through. Well, I, I, I've got all mine um, uh, in clip frames. So I've got I've got two walls covered in clip frames. Oh wow! It's it's insane. Going all the way back to the first ever football because tickets to anything are up there. I mean, it's mostly gigs. Let's be honest. But any football match I've been to, any Star Wars fucking convention, any museum visit, anywhere, anything, and the very first ticket up there is um, is Marillion nineteen eighty four. 
um oh, wow. yeah which was the which was the first ever gig that i went to which was on the um uh on the fugazi tour and um and that is the very first ticket there and then it that, that's where it started it's mad total mad yeah but um, yeah, yeah, wow. So, so first two albums, and that was you out. What you you didn't you weren't into the Eminem show? Uh, no, I think I was just getting into like Converge and hardcore and all that sort of stuff, and I just went away from it and never came back. Really, I still like a lot of rappy hip hop stuff. Like my albums of the decade had Run the Jewels two in it. Do you know that album? No. Give that a listen. That's fucking awesome. It's quite aggressive. Uh, it doesn't put any punches, and it's quite short and sharp. And yeah, it's good. So Run what? The Jewels is called by Converge. No, no, they're a rap band called Run the Jewels. Right. But so, if you uh, like Eminem, you might Jesus, like this. Right, no, never, never. Uh, well, message me that. Um, uh, message me that uh, that that the 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 band and the album title, and I will definitely check it out. Um, and yeah, check out um, Kamikaze because it's it's, it's 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 amazing how well for a start it comes out ten month ten months after his last album, right? I mean he he put out Revival, it got universally panned, and ten months later he's still <laughs> he's so angry it's only taken him ten months to write an entire album. Oh well, wow. um, I will give that a go. And um, I, I mean, I, I listened to it. Um, I used to put it on in the car because we recorded the album in um, in in Wales, and uh, I was staying at Cookie, our guitarist's house, and he lives in he lives in the mountains. And so I get up in the morning, get in the car, put Eminem on, drive through the mountains to the studio, and then. Um, bug Jace, the producer, about how good Eminem was, and then we'd listen to a bit of it, and, all. and I j- and then I and then we'd spend a day recording the vocals, and then I'd go back and listen to it, and then I'd be listening to it on the way home, and it was just it was so inspiring because you know it's like when you when you're in the zone when you're like recording, you you need to, you you know you, there's only room for inspiration, there's no, there's no room for anything else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. No, no audio chewing gum. And I would just drive to the studio every day and just think, this is fucking amazing. And given that I was having to, you know, spit a lot of words in not very many seconds in many in many cases on the album, I I just it was just inspiring. And um, it's it's amazing because it sounds like an album that could have been recorded. Well, first two albums. So the Marshall Mathers album, you're familiar with that. Yeah. Right. Well, it, literally, when you when um, Kamikaze, it, you'll be surprised at how old man Eminem has still managed to retain that hunger and that fire, um, and purely because nobody likes his last album, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like he's just he's just got a right old strop about it. But it's great because it's given us a whole new album. Yeah, fair enough. Well, look. Um, let's uh, let's uh, send me that message, and um, and I'll, I I shall return your message. Um, but that's the end of this podcast. But in all seriousness, um, uh, I will let you go home very soon. But I've got some questions. Yeah, my wife's messaging me. What's for dinner? Where are you? <laughs> well, I've got tell tell her eight says um, pie and peas <laughs> about fifteen minutes. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Um, so let's call it a day there. But I've got some questions from the patrons for you. So um, okay. for now, thank you very much, Dan. Cheers, dude.
And there you have it, the wonderful uh, Daniel Sargent, not Danny, not Danny Different, that is Daniel Sargent, otherwise known as Danny Dif- Different, um, but only when he's introduced by his um, fellow co- cohort and co-presenter, uh, Paul Podcast. So um, so there you go, uh, a wide-ranging chat which carries on in the Patreon version of the Christmas special podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, just a, a top man, and um, and we obviously coming together with our, our mutually, um, uh, our mutual. Would I call it a? Um, is 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 corn a um, an embarrassing secret? Is that you know? Is that what they called again? Not an embarrassing secret. Something that is guilty pleasure. That's it. Embarrassing secret. Brilliant. Um, uh, yeah, is it, is, it, is it a guilty pleasure? I'm not sure. I'm sure somebody listening to this will be like, yes, it is a guilty pleasure, Howard. Corner shit, their new metal, what's wrong with you? And others will be going, well, you know, I'm not so sure. Well, you know, whatever. I don't fucking really care. Um, so... There is going to be some music coming up at the end of the uh, at the end of the show for a change, so that's going to be cool. Um, the latest, apparently, KK Downing has said that he'd absolutely love to perform at the Rock Hall induction with Judas Priest. Well, isn't that a surprise? Frankly, I think he'd turn up at the opening of a crisp packet if fucking Judas Priest and, uh, uh, invited him along to it. I mean, clearly he'd love to do it. Um, and and to be honest, there's quite conciliatory noises coming from um, from the Judas Priest camp, which is really cool as well. Because I think it would be cool to see KK on stage with them um, one last time. And uh, and you know, if it is one last time, whatever, who knows? But for God's sake, it, you know, if if we could have that, that'd be lovely. Because then maybe you could stop moaning and trying to get um, a bit of publicity for his shitty book. Um, Notfest is coming to Milton Keynes. Hey, that'll be interesting. Yes, uh, the most up its arse fucking so-called music and art festival. Yeah, basically that means it's a music festival and Clown has designed some fucking tat shops for people to buy shit from. Because that's what it'll be. It'll just be fucking tie-dye bullshit, right? Vegan burgers left to the left of you. Vegan burgers to the right of you. There'll be there'll be little little shops, right? And I guarantee that you will have to walk through beads to go into these shops. And Howard has a golden rule. If you're walking through beads, basically, once you get through the beads, everything the other side of the beads is bullshit, right? That's the minute you you just fucking know. It's like a wind chime, right? If you turn up at somebody's house and there's a wind chime, you know which kind of prick lives there, right? And if you're going to go into a shop and there's beads, straight away, as soon as you put my hand through the beads and move the beads back, I'm just thinking, oh, what an absolute sack of shit is going to be in here. What absolutely outrageous, bizarre, harebrained fucking beliefs does the idiot that runs this shop have? And yes, that's right, I'm making all these huge assumptions purely based on beads. But do you know what? It's not purely based on beads. It's purely based on beads and my experience with fucking beads and beads in shop, beads curtains, right? Just fuck off. Always get some fucking free, you, you know, you literally walk in, the first thing that your eyes set on that you might touch and think, oh, what's that useless piece of shit and why is it so expensive? And you, you, all you've got to do is look at it and these people in these shops have got like second sight when it comes to like your, your eyes just like hovering on something for just a little bit too long and like the fucking shopkeeper from mr ben check those fucking street creds out eh how's that for how is that for your fucking 
Social references. Bang up to date. Like the shopkeeper from Mr. Ben. Ping. They stood right next to you. Like a, just like, you know, I was looking at this and all of a sudden, oh, I can feel something in my presence. And you turn around and poof, there they are. Right fucking next to you. Hello. Can I help? Do you like that? Oh, yes. My friend got that from Morocco. Yes. Well, she got it from an ancient tribe. No, fuck off. A, your friend doesn't exist. B, it's not Moroccan. C, it was clearly made in Eastern European caves by some poor fucking starving fucking Latvian child and it's been shipped over here in a box for 20p you bought about a hundred of them and you're selling them for a thousand pounds each and the minute this really rare one that your friend found in fucking Morocco is sold as soon as I'm down the street you'll have another one that was fucking found by your friend from Morocco you lying fucking cunt I might have gone off on a bit of a tangent from from fucking not fest. Um, do you know what? I was just, I was absolutely off it then, right? And totally in my own little world. And then suddenly, out the corner of my eye, saw my laptop. I kind of remember, remembered what I'm doing and what I'm supposed to be doing. Anyway, what, what a dick. Okay, look, yeah, basically not fest is happening in Milton Keynes. Um, and there's a, every chance that... Um, system of a down will be on there yeah the world's best system of a down covers band and uh, Serge Tankian says he is all for system of down putting out previously unreleased material two words I've I've actually written after that I've I, these are my genuinely my notes right I've copied that headline from blabbermouth and it says Serge Tankian says he is all for system of a down putting out previously unreleased material and my and my notes underneath just say lazy cunt that pretty much, I think I've nailed that, to be honest. I don't think I've got anything further to add to that at all. Um, and uh, and apparently, Michael Sweet, yeah, came out and he was like, well, Striper is the most logical choice for uh, the opening slot on the Mockley tr- Crew Tour with Def Leppard and Poison. Really, Michael? Because apparently, God says it's Joan Jett, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> No support slot for you. No, de- a desperate attempt to try and revive that flagging career of yours. It looks like you're just going to have to make do with thoughts and prayers like everybody else because those boys are taking Joan Jett out, tour, out on tour. So go fuck yourself. Right, it's time for my friends Gully and Joe. Um, done the, their podcast quite a few times. And as Gully called me out when, they, when I was on it last time, we've never been on yours. Or actually, it was more like... We've never been on fucking yours, like, so you fucking get us, get here on that fucking podcast, you fucking cons. So I thought, well, he asked so nicely, why not get them on? Here's my conversation with Gully and Joe from a few weeks ago. Okay, so um, welcome to the, um, welcome to Talking Bollocks for the first time. Um, Gully and Joe from The Rock Show. Hello. Hello. I feel like I feel like um, we're blessed. How long has it fucking been, Howard? Like five years, and we've only just got on now. For fuck's sake! Yeah, but that's to be not strictly true, uh, we came on before. We was on the Patreon episode. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's not. I'm not paying for that shit. I'm not listening to that. You don't yeah. pay for nothing. You tight cunt. I know exactly. Poor man. Well, I'm just going to let I'm just going <laughs> to let you two. I'm just going to let you two get on get on with this. I'm just going to sit here and record it. <laughs> We've been, we've just been like, like to be honest, we're like a married couple anyway, which is like minus the separation. We're having a long distance relationship at the moment, yeah. you can tell by the looks of it. How long, how long have you, um, have you two been doing the podcast? Um, it's 
it's five years, isn't it? Halloween. It was yeah. five years from Halloween. Yeah, right. and um, it was a very long time, but um, right, we're not okay. answering each other's sentences just yet, though. That's not happened. Well, so, so, well, fair enough. Five years. Um, I've put a little bit longer than that into the band, so you're lucky to be on air at all, you ungrateful couple of cunts. Well, <laughs> that's fair, but I totally like you being on our show about 19 fucking times. So, well, yeah, um, and you've deleted yeah. 18 of them, you useless twats. Yeah, but you've just, it's one more, because we're going to get you to do something else. When we finished on here, you can't, so <laughs> This is just complete abuse at the moment. It's, uh, it's great. Um, well, uh, no, I'm, uh, look, it's, it's good to get you both on, um, because I kind of feel like um, people who run podcasts, often you kind of, well, apart from myself, you, you kind of... Um, you're always you're always at the the behest of your interviewees, and you you know you're you're, you're constantly asking them questions. Um, but it's not often that you two get um, asked questions. So uh, the first one, I, I I haven't got any of this planned as usual, obviously. But I am interested. Oh, yeah. to, but I'm interested to know. You, you know, you both said there five years started on Halloween. Um, what brought it about? I mean, firstly, how did you meet? And secondly, when did you both go? We should do a podcast. Um, some some ginger guy who we know uh, who knew when I worked in Barclays in London um, knew Joe and Joe had the misfortune of playing in a band with him. I'm not saying that he's a bad drummer or not, and he's all right. He's just um, he's just a drummer, and they're all fucking mental to be honest. And uh, I met him through that, and then I was doing a radio um, fucking course at the time, and um, I was in a radio station, so we decided to do that like a radio program at first, and then. Um, we progressed to going on the actual radio and then we ended up uh, talking utter fucking shite for the next fucking four or so years. That's my half anyway. Joke yeah, probably we tell did, it quite different. It started, well, excuse me, I was in a band with Rob for a little while. I was doing what I was doing anyway. Um, I was writing reviews and interviewing bands for a couple of different websites. So I met you, at, didn't I, at the uh, Onslaught show. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember that. that. And uh, I think I just started doing the podcast then. There might have been, yeah, it was around that time. But Rob got in contact with me. He says, I know someone who wants to do a radio show and he needs a co-host. I know you were doing what you're doing. Do you want to put him in contact with me? It was pretty much one phone call and that was it. Um, we started doing like a radio show from Gully's living room. And we started doing an actual radio show, didn't we, at that radio station in Brentwood. And we were doing yeah. two shows a week, weren't we? We were doing our own one, plus that one. Then uh, Gully had to move to, into London because he was living in Dagenham at the time. Shit hole. And uh, then, yeah, basically the, the the show so much evolved, it was kind of adapted to our situation and surroundings, really. So what started off as a radio show became a podcast we were interviewing bands and we used to do a thing as well where we was going through blabbermouth and talking about the week's news and whatnot and then uh, we stopped for a little while and then started again and then we started doing where we're reviewing an album every show and that started out we kind of to do wanted to do like a less obvious album so the first episode was slayers divine intervention rather than doing you know the, the main three or something like that we do one slightly less spoken about and then we started getting guests on sporadically because yeah. we find 
when you get someone on to review an album, it's not so much like an interview. The conversation can kind of go anywhere, and yeah, that's what happens anyway. We we the show premise of the show is we're reviewing an album track by track, but we the conversation can go in any direction at any time, and there's no time limit on it, and it's just a sort of weekly release, really. You just get together with mates, have a drink and talk metal, and talk, well, bollocks, basically. Hey. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it's, um, it's, it's one of them as well. Um, we, we end up talking about random shit, which I find really amusing, and I'm normally the person driving the random shit boat to fucking shit stream, so it's a uh, it's always fun to not talk about stuff. And uh, one thing I did get bored with doing the news at times was because it was just the same old what Corey Taylor said this week or some other shit. Yeah. And it just got so fucking repetitive. And it just got on me tits in the end. I was just like, you know what? We need to do something else. And, and since I've been back up north, it's cold up north, um, I've found a new passion for it. And yeah, we've been doing we've been doing regular shows every week because it's an enjoyable thing, and I'm not going to give it up for no fucker. So yeah, it's been really cool of late. That's really cool, and I, I know what you mean about about when somebody's uh, like on on an, on an album run or whatever. That's why I just try and steer away from that shit. And 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 having to be honest, having just done have, just having done all of that myself as an interviewee, um, you just you know you you you're hanging on for a question that is actually you know challenging or different or mm. you know or or a new angle um so many people just trot out the same clichés and you know what was it like making the album oh it was shit fucking next question what you know what i mean yeah. it's just like <laughs> fucking hell. it's like say you know it's like it's like saying to somebody it's like saying, saying to somebody who, who's like you know who's a, a road mender and works in road works you know what's your favorite road to mend it's like they're all the fucking same next question you know <laughs> It's just like, uh, you know, it, it, I think anything that kind of breaks the norm and, and challenges people is is actually welcome as opposed to, I think a lot of interviewers fall into the trap of, oh, I'll ask them some nice, easy questions. No, don't. Everyone does that. And it's they're not easy. They're boring. Yeah, I've, always, yeah, I've always tried to look, do research into the individual band or member that I'm interviewing and try sorry, and get sorry sorry Joe sorry sorry can I just stop you Joe uh, what was that? research Joe. what's that yeah research <laughs> um Joe does the research Joe is the bible of, of all things metal I'm the person that unlocks what they actually are into and we get them talking about that I've noticed a lot of the time I'll just like, we'll have someone who's just like totally titty lipped and then within like 10 minutes I've worked out what they're into um, and then they don't fucking shut up about it. And I, I really enjoy that. That's like that's something I really enjoy in interviews is unlocking what they're into because they might be in a band but they might not give a fuck about music. And when you get when you get them talking about something that they're passionate about, then everything else will come out and it won't. See, it just seems like you're chatting to them, and that's how it should be. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that's 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 interesting. That's that's something I don't have where you, that like the two of you work as a kind of as a team, and you know one like you say one of you's. One of you's got the research, and one of you's just going to sort of do it on the fly, and um, and, and I think that I think that works really well. Well, yeah. I think it annoys me as well when I'm listening to an interview. When I just when I do it myself now as well, and I'm listening to someone, I go, "You don't know the first thing about this band, do you?" It's, it's obvious, and I think it's I think it's down to you to do at least do a look into the background and at least 
know who you're talking to. You know? I, I think we've, 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 we got bored with the whole interviewing people we don't give a fuck about as well. Because if you know, notice that with the shows we've done over the last couple of years, we'll only have certain people on who actually have something fucking interesting to say, not just to come on and flog their own shit. Because it, it, it just gets a bit boring and tedious and it's the same old, same old. And then you find interesting people, you stick with them because that's why we have interesting people on because it'd be fucking boring for us as well. Five years in, we don't want to hear the same shite. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, can't, I know what you mean. And also... Um... I know, I know what you mean there, Joe. I, I, I have done one interview, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm not going to say what. Actually, I may as well say which one it was. Um, the, uh, the two dudes out, the two dudes who left Megadeth at the same time, and then formed a new band. I can't even remember the name of the band. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, oh, fuck. We talked to them as well. Defiance, yes, yeah. yeah. I talked yeah. to the guitarist one, and it, that's it. Was it. Yeah, me, that... me too, and and about. And I was I I I asked some shit question. I said something like, you know, like, oh, you know, sort of when, you know, when's the album out? Or it was, and it had been out for two weeks or something like that. And I was like, oh, fuck <laughs> it. Like. That's, that's good. I know, and I just thought, and I and, and and I thought what you said there, Joe, like people have be listening to this, going, you are such a twat, and and they'd be right. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to hold your hands up, and I and. And yeah, and I remember that interview, and I'm thinking, yeah, I, I really don't want to feel like that again. So I do. I mean, as much as I joke about it, I do do. Um, I do do research, but sometimes I'll. Uh, I I deliberately won't do research because I think it's. Um, I mean, it's it, it's the most recent example would be Zan from the Lounge Kittens, who I interviewed four years ago, and they were just they were just starting to break and make and do really crazy things. I, I remember then, that one, yeah. Yeah, and then four years later, I'm interviewing her, and it's it's all gone nuts up. Uh, well, not nuts up, but they've decided to quit. And I and I I I um, tweeted her and said, I, I tweeted. Well, I got in touch with her private messaging on Twitter, and I said, like, you know, oh, do you want to, you know, do you want to come back on the show? And she was like. She goes, yeah, but, you know, it's kind of not ideal timing, as I'm sure you've seen. So I then had to go and look at the news and straight away I saw, a, 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 you know, saying that they they decided to call it day. And I instantly stopped reading and they did loads of stuff. They did a Q&A on the Facebook page and I didn't, I, you know, I didn't look at that or any of that. Um, and I messaged her back and just said, like, well, actually, for me, I think that's perfect timing because there's actually a lot to, I hate this word, unpack here. So I stayed yeah. away. I, I stayed you away. So, you sound so radio there. I know. I know. I know. But I, I, yeah. Oh, she's great value. Um, but um, <laughs> but I um, I uh, I didn't. Like Dale Winton. Yeah, I know. I know. But I didn't want to. He's great value too. Um, I oh, um, yeah. I didn't want to kind of. I didn't want to uh, to know any like, like any any of the background as to how they'd come about because I just wanted to have a chat that started with so you know how's this happened and so we can go on that winding journey and have a conversation and it not just be question answer question answer question answer. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's you have to take it case by case, don't you? Sometimes it is easy to go in blind, and other times, yeah. It's up to what's, you, that, really. what's that guy's name, Joe? The um, the the wrestler we interviewed. He's not a wrestler. He's just a, he just was sounding like a wrestler. I think I think that's probably our worst interview. Ever. Oh, um, that was uh, Des from Devil Driver. Oh my yeah. God! It, it's like a wrestle, doing a wrestling promo. I'm gonna go out there, the, brother. <laughs> it's just like what the fuck, man. He he wasn't like that before he started, and then he just hooked himself up or some shit. 
and it was just terrible. You wouldn't you, you wouldn't know from our reactions. We we were just messaging to each other going, What the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> it's just Jesus Christ. We ain't even a good band anyway, fuck's sake. Yeah, no. Well, look. To be honest, I had I had the exact opposite experience with Des. I I interviewed him, and he was on his mobile in the car with his wife, and they were out, and it was a beautiful day, and they were out shopping, and then they were going to go and pick up the kids, and the and 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 so I got I got relaxed, Des, not on the clock, Des, not trying to sell me anything, Des. And um uh, and it was really cool and relaxed and and he he and as soon as he found out I was a comedian he started asking me questions and it was and I had I had such a diff, different experience but you may have well have got like you know fourth interview of the day whereas I just got like Des the husband and father as opposed to Des the front man of Devil Driver yeah I mean he was alright he wasn't like bad mannered or anything it was no just, it wasn't it, it, it was just amusing it was like it was it just so funny like, I know yeah, I know what you mean it was just... sorry go on. Just at the end, he just started beating his chest, really. And, um, yeah, ultimate warrior. Yeah, it, it was just a little bit, okay. Are you, you, are you, doing? Doing, a gig, are you doing a gig later, or are you, are you fighting Randy Savage? He's going, he's going in yeah. to service the wife vigorously after, after the conversation. It was one of them. It was just like, put your penis off the table, please. Uh, come on. We've seen enough. It was just that, really. But, yeah, funny, funny what you get, because you can get random. Like, we had uh, Blaze Bailey on years ago. And I pulled him up about being an arsehole to me in the club in Liverpool. And I said, like, in a Birkenhead, because I was on a stage. And um, I didn't like him for years after that, like. And um, it turns out he was fucking cool and he's chilled the fuck out, like. So it's weird, that, because you, you, it's funny how you re come across people when you do this type of thing. Yeah, and also I think um, people sometimes forget that, you know, musicians are humans too. And, you you know, you can catch somebody on a bad day. I mean, my famously my uh, my Bruce Dickinson experiences which you know which the, the first one was absolutely fucking horrible demeaning yeah, um, and yeah. gutting and then the next two was basically just getting pissed with him and talking and and, and having a right laugh and just chatting away about all sorts so it, well, it's, it's it's really odd well he's just come out with him isn't he he's, he's split up with his wife do you reckon you probably it, it was last year as well do you reckon do you reckon you caught him when he just walked out the house or something like that? Well, no, I think I genuinely... Have you seen his new bird? No. Blabbermouth, show me. All right, fair enough, like. She's uh, very very well-proportioned. Well, let's not get into the tabloid status of Blabbermouth uh, news updates, having just <laughs> yeah. sp- having just, just spent the interview just slagging them off. She's a lovely lady. Yeah. There's, she's a lovely lady. There you go. There's okay. me being political. Right, Thank okay. Um, uh, woman, lady is uh, patronising. Um, <laughs> um, um, oh, for fuck. Sorry, guys, you still there? Right, sorry, hang on. Are you there? No, right, no, sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to reattach you to my uh, my speaker. Sorry, I got a phone call coming in. And, um, and it's, it's taken priority um, off. Uh, so hang on a second. This is fucking great podcast. Hello, listeners. Um, this is a, a technical interview. Uh, sorry, a technical uh, intermission. Um, right. Hang on a second. About 12 as well. Hey, right, you're back, guys. You're back. Hello. 
Yep. Hello. Go ahead. Right, you're back. Sorry. Yeah. So what I was saying was we were talking about your bad experience with Bruce, but it's coming out recently that Bruce had recently gone through a divorce and split up with his wife in 2018. And I just speculated, do you yes. think you caught him around that time? Well, yeah, look, maybe, maybe not. Um, there, there, uh, you know, I, I have been told that he's, he, he doesn't like being um, uh, uh, approached by fans or any of that in, in his local pub, um, which, which I get from an individual point of view. But by the same token, how is any Iron Maiden fan supposed to know that they're in Bruce Dickinson's local um, and that he doesn't like being approached in his local? Um yeah, that was weird. He could have just brushed you off. He could have just gone, all right, yeah, nice one, mate. Cheers. Cut you off. Like, um, he, uh, yeah, he, he could have... And you would have took the hint, you know. Well, like, like, like I said at the time, he, could, he would have been able to get rid of me quicker with, by being polite than, than how he did. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but anyway, that, that, but but anyway, moving on, moving on from Bruce. Um, it, it worked out all right, anyway, because you still got to get pissed at him twice afterwards. I'd love to that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, you know, it's it's it amazes me when I see you know when I when I put a Facebook post and uh, and I said, oh, you know, I've just spent two hours getting pissed with Bruce Dickinson. Oops, you know. And the amount of people that that I know in bands and are in bands are a lot bigger than mine and all the rest of it. And, you know, and they're all posting going, Oh, dead jealous. And someone messaging me wanting like more information about it and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, but you're in this huge bat. And it's like, do you know what I mean? It's just like, I suppose, yeah, the fact that I live X miles from that pub and, um, and uh, you know, I've, I've got to hang out with him a couple of times and it wasn't just hanging out with him. It was, it was hanging out with him with, mates that he's known for years he's his pub friends and i know them yeah i know them having been doing the, the the pub quiz in that pub so so we'd all hang out and chat and and then and you know and then he just came and joined the conversation one time and i was like it, it genuinely took a 10 seconds to sort of drop that it was bruce dickinson because he was just like yeah you know he just had a little jacket on he had a baseball cap on he was in my peripheral vision to my left and and I heard this voice kept chipping in and I just sort of like looked at my provisional window. Oh, it's like somebody else is joining the conversation. About 10 seconds later, I just very quietly did a double take and just in, in my head I was going, it's Bruce, it's Bruce, try not to react, don't be a dick. <laughs> I think it's so, the bigger bands, the bigger bands I've found are more approachable where the little bands are full of pricks at times because they're young and they, they haven't got their shit together. Is But like most of the time, I've, we've done worse with the little bands who just, they think they're the shit and, and they're just young. Well, like, yeah. anyone who's been in anyone half, decent, they've normally been quite cool. You get the occasional knob, but that's just life, isn't it? Well, I, I, I apply the uh, I apply the um, the A to Z theory on this, which is A-list celebs are comfortable with who they are, they know who they are, and hence, you know, they're, they're, they're easy to deal with. And your, your Z-list celebrities are comfortable with who they are, they know who they are, and they're comfortable with it. It's the people in between who are struggling to give the image that they're bigger than they are. They are the ones who are, you know, who are harder to deal with. And funnily enough, from, from a comedy point of view, the best audiences are either working class or upper class. The problem with the middle class is they don't really exist. Half of them are on the half of them are on the way down and half of them are on the way up. But it's not a real kind of it's not a real class. You're not defined you know, you're not defined like you are as lower class, uh, as a working class or, or upper class. So upper class yeah. are comfortable with they who are who they are and they know who they are. And 
working class are comfortable with who they are and know who they are. And people in the middle look at each other like, oh, are we allowed to laugh at that? Was that potentially sexist? Was it potentially racist? Oh, oh, there's another joke gone. Are we allowed to laugh at that? And they're, and they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're idiots. I dress, I, I, I dread doing the, the middle class um, home counties gigs because they sit there smiling totally and they don't know whether to laugh or not because they don't really know who they are or where they, where they exist in society. They're the yeah, ones fucking it up for everyone as well, aren't they? It's the great undecided. That's <laughs> what it is. There's a lot. There's a lot of that. I, I'm where I am now. It's all. It's a working class class background, and um, I, that's probably. It's probably done me a lot of good in the in the job place and I'm working and generally talking to people because everybody fucking talks loads in Liverpool, and you've got to talk louder to be noticed. So um, it, it's helped me in the years coming from where I came from to do all the things I've done over the few years. I was up, up in the south and, and now being back home in Liverpool, it's a before. In fact, I'll even go even further than that. It was heavy metal and, and rock music that brought out the, the personality in me because you can't really be a quiet lad with a bunch of fucking pissed up fucking um, hippies listening to Slayer. You, you can't because you'd just be sat there fucking talking to no one. So I think a lot, in a lot of ways, music has always been a constant... Um, constant provider for me and emotionally and also in doing stuff that I love so yeah I suppose that's a little bit where I came from I, I must admit Gully you've surprised me there um that that you, that you consider yourself working class I always had you down as landed gentry <laughs> really I, I, I drink wine but that's not too choice um and I don't and I don't hold me pinky finger up um but yeah um I'm, I'm definitely a working class working class yeah i mean it, it without without wanting to sort of like you know I, I think i've derailed this into a class discussion you know let's get back <laughs> let's get back to bands the point i was making is that you know your, your your bands at the bottom know who they are your bands at the top know who they are and and it tends to be the bands in the middle who are who desperately want to get um to the top and they think the way of getting to the top is pretending they're already at the top and they're not so they don't know how to act uh, so yeah, they think that, off. so they think that being acting like they're bigger than they are and better than and better than they are and better than you and bigger and, and it's like, no, you you don't get it. In fact, I'll give you a prime example to like your um, your uh, Blaze Bailey story, Gully. Um, in com- in comedy, I met um, I met Frank Skinner um, when he was he when he, when he was you know he, he in the early days when he was breaking it on TV and he was he was really successful but he wasn't there yet and and he was a complete arsehole to me and he had a and he, and he had a um and he had a minder with him as well which he didn't need you're a comedian mate um and um and he was an arsehole to me and then about 15 years later I ended up on a bill with him again and funnily enough it was the very very first time I ever did Keith Platt and um and I was chatting to him after he'd done his set um, and he went, um, and he just and he went, were you, were you, were you on tonight? I went, yeah, yeah, I was on before you. And he just looked at me and went, you were the old man? I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, fucking hell, mate, that was brilliant. Oh, I really like that. I mean, you're clearly experienced. You've done that. Uh, what a lovely guy. It was literally, mm. we, we had a similar conversation to the one we'd had 15 years previously. And it was like speaking to two different people. He was so nice, so encouraging, um, and and so warm and friendly, and and that's because he'd got to where he was going. He'd found security in himself. Mm. 
Do you know what I mean? And it was like, wouldn't he? Be, wouldn't he been back on the source when you first met him? No. Um, maybe or maybe not, but he certainly wasn't pissed. He was he was performing, yeah, and uh, and he wasn't drunk and he wasn't anywhere near the bar. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, it was it was it was like night and day, absolute night and day. And I think you know, bands are no different. Um, and like I said, you know, we we you know, bands are humans too, and sometimes you just get people on a funny day. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, we we'll we'll normally if you're under fifteen minutes with us, then you're shite. Um, and we're, we're already messaging each other after fire saying this is getting cut short. One of us has to pretend to um, have fucking have an appointment or something uh, because we tend to get people talking more. Howard, you're the perfect example. How many times have we just sat there for hours after we've even finished recording and then you flog yes. it on fucking Patreon? Yeah. We're <laughs> um, it, it happens. We, we, we tend to get people on either you talk to us for a very little time, therefore you're boring, or we talk to you for fucking ever. And um, when we develop that kind of relationship with anyone, we'll have them on regularly because it's an enjoyable part of the show and people get used to the certain people that we have on. And um, anyone who's been on, we've had your drummer on fucking loads from Acid Rain as well. He's and, only been on, he's only he been on twice, it. hasn't he? Or three times? Um, you're still winning, but um, <laughs> we've only been on here once now, so I'm, I'm, I'm tallying this up and I'll constantly remind you from... Brilliant. Well, from, uh, let, me know, let me know when you get on his podcast. Yeah, well, I'll tell him to fucking do one. Can drummers even operate computers, though? Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm taking the fifth on that one. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I'm not gonna not gonna point any fingers at drummers not being I've, able to use computers. But I've got to tell you, drummers my, are drummers. I've got to tell you my favourite drummer joke of the moment. Um, uh, ISIS have rele- uh, ISIS have released a statement saying that they've taken um, they've taken 52 drummers hostage, and unless their demands are met, they're going to release one an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows at least one lunatic drummer. Everyone who's ever been in a band. There just seems to be a certain um, quirks <laughs> to being a, a bachelor of pops. But to be to be fair, each have their own quirks. I mean, there's, you know, singers have their own quirks. You know, I should know being one myself. And and um, drummers have their own quirks, and bass players have their own quirks, and, and guitarists have their own quirks. It's just easier to have a pop at drummers because it's yeah. well, well. Look at the Muppets. Look at the Muppets. I mean, you know, it, it's like straight off the bat, animal. You know, can yeah. barely speak and just hits things. It makes sense. Like the <laughs> Swedish chef. True. Uh, well, yeah. There's the and then there's a. Oh, hang on. Now, now I've derailed us and we're we're going to end up having a fucking Muppets conversation. And nothing, I fucking grew up on the Muppets. There's nothing like the Muppets. Like the two old men at the end. Oh, I didn't think it was that good. Everyone poor. Anyone mean... who was ever in a band in the um, late teens. Just wanted to sample something off the Muppets to put at the end of the song. Do you mean? I, I just remember hearing loads of demos with Muppets bits when I was growing up around here in Liverpool. It was like fuck's sake. You you're mean showing your age a little? You mean Waldorf and Statler? I'm showing my age. I yes. know their fucking names. You claim to love them. Oh, the, are you calling Christ. them the two old men? Well, look, I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting on now. I'm oh, all right, oh, yeah. Backpedal, backpedal. Yeah, nice, nice, no. like that. Piss <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> You can piss off, and I'll tell you, don't no fucking show too. Oh dear. So, um, so uh, Gully, are you going to be getting up to? Are you going to be um, uh, getting to see live shows in Liverpool? Then are you going to be? Uh, 
I know. don't know what's here. There's, I don't know what's here. The the club that used to be the crazy house was uh, it's changed its name to something fucking shit. Um, the, it always seems to be in Manchester. And yeah, Manchester, yeah. because I'm not driving, is the other side of the fucking world to me. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I need to I need to um, hook up on the Tinder or something with someone who drives. You know the train. And, um, you know the train is forty minutes. You know the train is forty minutes, and the last one is midnight. Oh fuck that, man! Well, I, I just I half my family's from Manchester, so I, I can probably arrange crashing up in in um, me dad's in um, Stockport. So I, I, if I needed to, but I. I I'd choose to just get a hotel if it was a big enough band. It has to be someone who I really like to get me asked there, though. To be fair, yeah, yeah. No, I've I have noticed that um, that it just seems to be Manchester um, that that gets you. And it's you know same with um, with us. You know, we we get we get great offers from promoters in Manchester, and and well, basically, uh, even shit offers from Liverpool would be interesting, but just no no offers. Mm. You know, and and this is it. I, I get sick and tired of people saying, oh, you know, come come and play here and come and play there. And it's like, well, you know, for the last fucking time, we do not choose where we play. The local promoters and their offers determine where we go. Mm. Well, that's what I wanted to get involved with because um, I want to see what's actually happening in Liverpool and, and try and resurrect something. But there just isn't much there's no, there's no it's all fucking Liverpool city centre is all fucking dive bars and skinheads and shit nothing against skinheads being a ball cut myself like but it, it's it's just Manchester seems to be where it's at unfortunately yeah um, so I'm a bit disappointed because London you you, you, you don't realise how you, how you guys are blessed with the amount of music you can catch and the amount oh, of bands yeah. I've seen in London in that seven years I was living there is more than I'd ever seen in Liverpool full stop um, I'm, um, I've, 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 I've been so here. Lucky. I've been here 25 years, and I never, I've, I've never lost sight of the fact that um, uh, everyone plays London, and I've seen a ton of bands that you know people haven't seen. Um, I've seen, you know, I saw Perfect Circle, Circle touring the first album. I saw Eminem in the Astoria touring his first album. I saw Slipknot's first ever UK show. I mean, loads of stuff like that. So going going down to our that's 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 uh, that's our, our northern correspondent correspondent has um, has given us some great insight there. Now down to our um, our uh, London correspondent um, Joe. Um, it, it 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 is true though, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, we you, you know we've got a fantastic uh, traffic infrastructure. Uh, what transport infrastructure? Um, everyone plays London. I mean, it, 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 sometimes you are we, we are spoiled, aren't we? Oh, we're definitely spoiled. I mean, you just mentioned the Astoria as well, and God, I miss the Astoria. Oh, don't we all? Um, uh, and the LA2 as well. Catch... The LA2, where I saw Sepultura doing a club tour. Oh, both. Yeah, you got both, didn't you? Yeah, one was upstairs, one was downstairs. But uh, you could go to a gig every night. Kenya in London. Oh well, if you if you remember, if you remember the if you remember the time the time you you two came to see um, came to see us when we were supporting Zentrix on our comeback tour, and I mean that night alone, there was Paradise Lost over the other side of the city, and an Annihilator were playing up the road. Yeah, yeah. So I only I only really liked Icon. I Paradise Lost. Oh right, okay. Fuck me, that was a left turn. Yeah, well, it just it just popped into me head. I, right. I actually saw this when Liverpool actually did have gigs in the one week. I saw Paradise Lost 
And then the next week, this was in the Royal Court in Liverpool, which is now just a, a place for lovies and no gigs. And oh. then a week later, I saw Pantera. And um, what a fucking week. That's all I can say. I, I didn't mind Paradise Lost, but it was a good gig. But Pantera, Jesus Christ, they were fucking on fire at that point. Well, we we supported uh, Nuclear Assault and played the uh, played the Royal Court, and it was it was just fucking brilliant. It was one of the best gigs on the tour, um, and it it, it it was amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, do you, uh, have I have I told you to my Paradise Lost story? Come on, uh, Joe, do, have I told it to you? Yeah, no, no. All right, well, no, go on. Um, it was um, Acid Rain, uh, Bradford Frog and Toad. We were headlining. Reanimator was second on the bill, and uh, Paradise Lost were, were opening. Paradise this Lost. This is ringing a bell now. Yeah, Paradise yeah, Paradise Lost played for about half an hour. Played one song twice and were fucking dreadful. Reanimator played their set. We went over to Reanimator, loved it. Got their demo. Got them signed to Music for Nations. Turns out that was Paradise Lost's first ever gig. Wow. <laughs> Well, and and funnily, and and, and actually, this. hang on. Right off the bat, I will give I will give you the um, I will give you the very latest um, on Twitter, which you two aren't on, and you need to get on this. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Last, for right, hang, right, hang on. Last week, I um, I saw a tweet a tweet by Nick Holmes. Oh yeah, you are. Sorry, yeah, wrong uh, wrong podcast. Um, you got I, I tweeted. I saw Nick Holmes tweet saying he really hoped there was a, a Joker sequel. And I, I tweeted as Acid Rain saying that um, Joaquin Phoenix doesn't do sequels and he only accepted the part on the understanding that it was a one-off movie. It was just the origin story and that was it. And, um, and, he, and he, re- he tweeted back and said, if you'd have told me in 1987 that Acid Rain would be tweeting me um, Joaquin Phoenix facts, um, I'd never have believed you. So I tweeted back and said... Um, if you told me back in 97, having watched your first ever gig supporting us that you'd go on to be huge, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you either. <laughs> and we, <laughs> we both kind of, we both liked each other's tweets, but it was, it was fucking funny. They, they came and done this, uh, there was this promo night for their, one of their albums and they came to Liverpool and they were throwing out, um, bottles of Jägermeister and shit into the crowd. The singer comes out fucking leathered and, uh, everyone starts giving them shit. So he starts going, fucking eight scousers, you're all cunts and all this. And uh, everyone just promptly drank the uh, little bottles of Jaeger and lashed at them, lashed them at him until he, he fucked right off the stage, right? So there you go, there's something, something about him. He, he was a uh, sound, somewhat of a tool. That, that, yeah, that, sound, that sounds like something that somebody's done um, in a very early part of their career and would probably yes. thoroughly regret now. I would imagine so, because it, it made a bit of a twat of himself. But that that was all right. These things happen, especially if he's just been plied with booze all day. Fuck me. I went out the other week into, into Liverpool, first time out since being back home. Got so twatted, woke up with 20 regal. I don't smoke. Um, bruises all over my elbows and my knees and everything. I, do you know what? Sometimes it just happens. I understand that. Life goes on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Life does go on. And uh, and you know what? You, you get that. Um it's you know you do get those experiences and and certainly um certainly being in london uh, i remember a friend i remember a friend of mine saying that uh, they saw the sugar cubes with um uh when bjork was still in them and uh, and she said halfway through the gig um he said she said bjork just took her trousers just took her trousers down 
and had a shit on stage. Wow. And I was like, Fuck. what? She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, she's stuck. Now, it, it was either, she had either had a shit or a piss. I can't remember. Probably more likely a piss. But, yeah, she said, I was like, you're joking, you're joking. She said, no. She just, she was like, on stage, just, just pulled the trousers down, squatted down, did the business, pulled the trousers up and kept going. The, um, I saw, when I was younger, I went on, the, saw the Zinticontrolosis, I still like them, sorry Howard, you might not like me, but I asked. Um, the, I saw them on stage, it was Soundgarden, Faith No More, and uh, Guns N' Roses. Soundgarden were just noise at that point, it was like a bad motor finger, so their, their live set was just fucking as heavy as it could have been. And um, someone, you know, when them bags were a thing, you could bring bags into gigs and fill them full of ale. And um, someone had filled it full of piss and threw it on stage to Mike Patton, who duly drunk the piss. So it, it, um, it's just one of them things, people do crazy shit on stage sometimes, and I just find it really amusing. Uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, um, oh, man, I've, I, a, a mate of mine um, told me this story. He goes... Um, he was uh, he was he was crewing for a band, and they were uh, no he's you know he's watching them and he was on the road with them, um, in another band and he said the the the, the bass player had dropped um, he dro- he dropped some drugs before the show don't know what so anyway he goes like this bass player comes out and he's 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 he's, he's playing, um, and he he suddenly sort of looks at the rest of the band and he takes his bass off and goes over to his cab and start and switches his amp off. And like, wow. and, and, and the, and the, the, the crew are coming out and going and, he, and he's, and he's trying to get off stage and the crew are going, no, 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 no. You know, you need to carry on playing to so switch his gear back on, put the bass on him. And he's like, plays about half a song and then looks at the rest of the band again. And, and like, and like takes the bass off again, leans it against the cab, switches it off. The band, by the way, are carrying on playing, just looking across, going like, "Oh, fucking God knows what's going on there." He said he comes, he comes um, off stage, stands side stage next to my mate, starts watching the band, and he's nudging my mate, going, "This lot are all right, aren't they? They're really good." (laughs) (laughs) Drugs. Drugs make you do crazy shit, man. Honestly. Exactly, exactly. And he and and he never went back on. He watched the rest of the gig side stage, like with just no bass playing. The rest of the band, and obviously, I mean, like basically, this guy was not in the band by the end of the tour. Unsurprisingly, I can imagine that. <laughs> but it was just unbelievable. He said like everybody was just fucking pissing themselves, and he was just oblivious to what they were laughing at, and just stood there and like you know, occasionally he was just turning around to people and be like going like. And he was like headbanging along and stuff and going like, fucking hell, you know, these guys are really rocking out. And, uh, yeah. Sounds like an utter fucking lunatic. <laughs> Bass players, mate. Oh, uh, man. Four strings. Well, it, it sounds like the wild arts in their, <laughs> in their craziest moment. It sounds like Danny McCormick would have done. I, I wish I knew. I would tell you if I knew. I genuinely don't know. Like I said, it's not, it's not you know, it's kind of like, a, you know, an anecdote from a friend of mine as opposed to something that, that happened to me. Now, he uh, was there, he was he was stood next to the guy, so I've got it like one person removed, but um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know who it was. I, re- I really don't. But, um, but don't you, don't you... I want to know what they took. <laughs> don't, don't you love it when, don't you love it when you do feel like you've got some sort of um, uh, uh, kind of like, you, you get that moment where you think, hang on, we've got something here. 
I bet he hasn't said that anywhere else. Or she, or she. We've um, had that a few times. <laughs> really? Yeah, we had it when we had, um, what was it? That um, Some band imploded on our show. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, it, be... and um, they were tearing the arse out of each other. Then the, then the guy who we interviewed said we edited the interview. So I posted the whole and complete interview unedited up. And um, yeah, fuck that guy for saying what he says. <laughs> Don't question me. I cut off the beginning and the end and left it flowing because you were talking shit, son, and you got caught. Wow, yeah. what, what, what that, happened? That what? blood on mouth and everything. And yeah. So who was I, that was then? Who was, like that, who was that? What was that? I've completely uh, missed there was, that. There was a band called The Resistance. It had, um, it had the singer of The Haunted and the original guitarist of In Flames. They put out one, uh, well, two awesome albums. Right. Um, and the guy from In Flames left and there was a, so that was kind of the story. So the second album came out, and he basically just sort of said, no, it's a good job he'd left because he was a nightmare anyway. I mean, you can go back and look into it if you like. Yeah. But when that interview went out, Blabbermouth basically just, they took, being tabloid, he kind of just made the interview all about this one remark he made. And then uh, the guy from In Flames basically responded, and it became a bit of a Twitter fight. And he bailed out, basically saying, oh, it was the way the show was edited. And then that's when Gully said, no, you said what you said, arsehole. Own it, you know. That's exactly what I said. And, and, and all well. of a sudden, the, um, the band just stopped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we murdered the band. Yeah. Um, but we didn't say what we said. And then for him, I had the, the guitarist from I didn't even ask him either. Me. It was him that brought it up. I, didn't, yeah. I wasn't asking, like, you know, awkward questions or anything like that. You can, he was the one that brought the whole... Pulled the whole situation up. So. I had the inflamed guitarist saying, "What? What did? What did you edit? What was said?" And I sent him. I sent him the full interview first. I mean, have a listen yourself. <laughs> Just have, not, I'm not going to. Uh, that's exactly what was said, and he said it, and we didn't edit shit. And then, yeah, it was just. I, I had both of them saying, "I'm really sorry," and all this, and the, one of them going, Ugh. "I was just like, fuck's sake, I'm not getting involved in your band divorce. Just fuck off. There it is. Listen, or oh, fuck off." Well, I, I have to say, I think um, that that is that is you know, it, it, it sounds like. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a footballer giving an interview and then saying they were misquoted, and you know they weren't misquoted. They said what they said, but they just don't want to yeah. own it. Yeah, but it's just ownership. Yeah, absolutely, and I think, and I think, I think you're absolutely right to say. No, do you know what? You know, go, go, go fuck yourselves. You, you, you know, you, you need to own this. You said it, so own it. Yeah, it's, it's that's that's the problem we have. If you say something tongue in cheek or whatever, you, you got, you got to realise that people are going to pull you on whatever nowadays. And to to make make us out to be liars at the time was the most infuriating thing. I'm like, we haven't done fuck all. All I've done is cut the beginning and the end off like every single time we talk to someone and stick it in. And if you're going to be a cunt, then we're going to call you out on it. And I, I, it, Okay, the band ended, but by the sound of it, they all had fucking problems anyway, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm just trying to think what the uh, what that singer's name is again. Um because I'm, I'm 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 a big fan because uh, he sang in the haunted. He sang in Mary Beats Jane as well. No, he who... was the other singer. Sorry, see that was Pete. Uh, ah, Pete right. or something. This one was Marco. Pete, Sam- Pete Sandoval, now. wasn't it? Pete Sandoval, who I'm a big fan of. I'm, I I yeah. I, li- I like the later 
uh, Haunted albums. I really like Verses. I like some of that later stuff. Um, and yeah. I liked Mary Beats Jane he was in. So you're, you're t- is it someone, Marco Arrow or something? Yeah, he did um, Haunted Made Me Do It and One Kill Wonder. Yeah. He then did this band called The Resistance, did two awesome albums. Think like, think Hatebreed playing Death Metal. Oh, Christ, that sounds horrible. <laughs> think, think Death Metal, but just with a punky, sort of straightforward edge. And, um,. I just yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah that's hate breed I can't I just can't get on with the hate breeds I really can't no. I, I, I don't you know, know that basic hardcore structure though yes yeah right very simple catchy riffs basic sort of hardcore structure but death metal and the, the first album was just like half hour of just you know balls to the wall and then the second album was sort of the same think of that you know that Swedish sort of chainsaw guitar tone Oh God! Do you know what? You, do you know what? Do you know what, Joe? You're doing a brilliant yeah. job of putting of putting me off this. <laughs> I cannot anyway, stand. I cannot stand that. I cannot he, stand uh, that that Scandinavian guitar sound. Afterwards, anyway. So. The second album kind of made redundant. It was shit, and so was the band. Well, you probably haven't even listened to them. I did because I had to for the fucking for the edit, and I had to listen to one of the songs. Okay. <laughs> so one was enough, thank you very much. Um, yeah. Ding ding to a neutral corner, please. Um, no, we're, we're always like this. We, we, it's just one of them. I, I'll start on anyone. I don't, I'm not really bothered. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, you guys have. Uh, are, are you still going to be? Are you still going to be getting like you know? You're still going to be getting people on. You're still getting interviews on because I know two a week is a. That's a that's 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 a fucking vicious schedule you've got there. Oh, that, that's what it was to begin with. Now it's yeah. one a week. Once a week. Once a week. Um, but um, we, are get, we are getting loads of people on for Christmas um, who we've had on in the past. And when we finish... Oh, I saw that, yes. We're, we're getting you on to, for five minutes to talk about stuff after this. Right, well, in which case I'll get you on uh, for my uh, for my patrons as well. Um, uh, and there's a couple of questions that I'm going to be asking everybody because this is going to be the Christmas special. Um, cool. And uh, I'm trying to basically, I'm trying to get people on who run podcasts. So I'm getting you guys on. I'm getting the, I'm getting um, uh, Paul and Dan from um, Different Times podcast. Um, I'm going to get No Friender on from the No Friender podcast. And fuck it, I'll get Godless on as well, despite the fact he's not a podcaster anymore. But you know, he's he's resident guest, so I may as well get him on again. Um, yeah, sorry, go on. The, uh the frontman of uh, Malevolent Creation on next week to do an album review. And, uh... Yeah, we've got a few people lined up. But we're putting together a Christmas special as well. Yeah, because I need to to keep busy because I'm I'm, I'm no longer living in London and I'm a single man, so it's it's Tinder and uh, getting interviews for the uh, Christmas show. Yeah, That's so, my life. yeah, yeah. No, I know you've, um, I know, I know you've, uh, you've relocated and uh, and and a, and a big old upheaval. Um, hence, oh, yeah. hence we would, you know, because when we were, it all kicked off when we were actually originally trying to organise exactly what we're doing now, didn't it? Yeah, it fell to pieces, but life goes on, and I feel better for it now. It's, uh, it's, it's moving forward, always moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. No reason for no room for negativity. I will go over to Joe. Joe, uh, last time we spoke privately, um, I believe, uh, and I, I'm, you know, I, apologies to everybody listening and to you two for bringing up uh, my my own band's album. But I understand we have the seal of approval from your uh, your young fella. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's 
budding little metaler, and uh, <laughs> he um, he loves a new album, yeah. And uh, it's good getting him into the music, and that. I, I never forced anything on him. I just anything. I sort of played bits here and there, and if he liked it and hooked onto it, I kind of just took it from there. And um, but no, he loves a new album. It's funny because my my youngest one, who's five next month, he uh, he was singing along to Breaking the Law by Judas Priest yesterday. So awesome. I thought my eldest is into Iron Maiden and the other one might be banging to Judas Priest. That's like the, one of the great metal divides, isn't it? It's such like, a... Oh my God, have I got Cain and Abel? It's, no, but it's, such a, it's such a shame, but by the, by the time they're old enough to go to gigs, both of those bands will have retired and members will be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I'm getting... Probably, I mean, by the way, my, can I just say, probably the same for Acid Rain as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sh- Yeah, I mean, the last show, if if I thought he would have been let in with me, I would have took him. He's been to a couple of gigs so far. He's seen Iron Maiden twice now. Uh, I took him to awesome. the Alice Cooper. Awesome. Uh, what, a good, what a good Cherry. dad you are, Joe. Um, what a good dad you are. He is I'm a good fellow, I'm isn't trying. he? I, I'm trying. I can't have a kid, or any, either kids, being raised on X Factor and you know so it's just waiting uh, for that time when they rebel Joe yeah he might rebel <laughs> and just go right I'm going to listen to well I dread to think what comes what's coming out in 10 years but more auto tune shit I, I grew up with my dad's stereo with the headphones going through his records so you know hopefully I'll have the same thing with my boys. Yeah, it's, but it's it's such a such a, a wider musical landscape now with internet access and every band's back catalogue being available at a click. And I know my uh, one of my one of well my best mate, um, his his two boys were into metal as they were growing up because like their dad was, um, and one of them still is, and one of them has gone off and he and he's more into his grime and garage. But as as but as as you know, his dad as his dad said to me, he said, look. He is really passionate about it. He knows all about the artists, about the various beefs going on, and and he's a student of the genres. And he goes, "Do you know what? That'll do for me." The fact that he yeah. is that he is that passionate about it, that he is, you know, he's just as passionate as I am about metal, about different genres. And he said that 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 that's fine. That is absolutely fine. And and then as kids do, completely surprised us both by turning round and wanting to and wanting to come and see um the descendants with us. And he was like, but and he and he was like, what what are you talking about? I thought, you know, you're into grime and and and, and garage and all that these days. He goes, Yeah, but the descendants <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good, man. Like I say as well, when everyone's I listen to all sorts of music like everyone does, but when you they people go, But why have you concentrated on that? It's like, well, you could be a rugby player and still watch cricket and football and watch any other different type of sport, but the one you play is the one you play, you know? Yeah, I think if, if, you, if you can bring out a passion in any form of music, no matter if you hate it or not, music is a very good way of expressing things you can't normally say. If you're going through a tough time, I'm, I'm going to stem back to myself. Music has been incredibly helpful for motivation for me and for picking me up after a shit day and, and, and generally keep, keeping me head above water. And regardless of what genre it is, if you can find a passion for something in music, it will give a lot more back than you put in. All you've got to do is listen to it and it can, it can change your mood, change your day. And for me, it kind of changed me like being into this, this form of music. And if you can get that from anything, it's definitely a good thing. 
I look, I couldn't agree more. I mean, talk about talk about life changing. I mean, you know, I fuck me. What would I have done if I hadn't? You know, if I hadn't started. You know, well, not yeah, started a band and 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 ended up where I am. And and I think um, you know, it's obviously it's fucking changed my life. And 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 I think that's why last week when when Martin Hooker passed away. Um, it it absolutely cut me off at the knees. I I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, it was just, yeah, like this 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 guy was like like a second father for a, a few years of my life who who changed my life. Um, and was so influential in it to not be around anymore was just, I, you know, I think I I think I said somewhere, you know, it, it just felt like a part of my life had been deleted. It was. Yeah. It was just, yeah, I, and, and I just, I didn't expect it either, you know, it, I mean, not, I don't, I don't mean I didn't expect his death, obviously I didn't, but I just read the message and it just absolutely took the wind out of me, it just knocked, knocked me sideways, I was actually supposed to be going into a meeting um, about, like, in about 20 minutes when I got the message and I was just like, sorry, meeting's cancelled, I'm I, I got to go and I just I just left and I went and sat in a I went and sat in a coffee shop hooked up to the Wi-Fi and just messaged people who I knew made phone calls and just and just spent a good two or three hours just getting getting my head around it and not getting my head around it and then I just came home and just bawled my eyes out it was just Honestly, it's just it's, surreal. It's, it's amazing how big, how big an impression in your formative years that people can make. Yes. But, um, like, yeah. I had that with one of my um, friends from Liverpool, Ted, his dad. I live, I live with them both in um, up in Crosby, and uh, he went to jail, and we were watching the house and stuff. And um, I've always got time for Ted. I've been, he, he would meet me in London, and I missed the last gig we were going to go together, and then we split up with my ex. And uh, his dad died, and I, I. I come across the other side of the country to go and um, just be there because his dad was so influential in my life. He was a he would encourage us to play music together. We would practice in the room upstairs. Um, I probably picked up a lot of his bad habits when it comes to the wine and the weed. I suppose in the, in my latter years, but um, such an influential person in my life. And it, when you meet them people, it can just kick you right in the bollocks. And um, it, it, it's it's a difficult position to be in. So I understand it. Yeah, I think um, uh, quite a few people have have said to me it's amazing how um, when you lose people that you've met through you, through music, it seems to it seems to hit hit just as hard as losing family members. Yeah, it's because you're putting so much in emotionally. It it it, it does have that effect. It well, does. It's, you're right. It's like when, music is emotion it's in its like, rawest yeah. form. I think, and and it's like when it's like when Jeff Hanneman died. Um, I did. I did a. I did a big Facebook post about it, just trying to sum up how I felt um, and why I felt that way. Because I knew I was. Uh, it was back when I used to work in. An, well, it's back when I used to work, <laughs> but it was back when I used to work in an office, and um, I remember just feeling really bad and really bereft. And um, I was walking towards the office, and I was thinking, how do I explain to people? Because people are going to ask, oh, you know, what's up with you today? What's what's the problem? Oh, you, you know, you don't seem yourself. And I thought. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to answer that with somebody in a band that I really like has died, and they're gonna be like, "Whoa, you are so overreacting." So I need to be able to sum up why it means so much, 
and and I just poured out onto a page how I felt and why I think I felt like that. And I spent a couple of minutes editing it, and it went and it ended up going viral. I mean, I I couldn't believe where it went to and and where it reached. And I think that's because what I was saying kind of spoke to how a lot of people were say, were feeling, but they couldn't put a finger on it. Mm, you know, yeah. it's like it's you know what it's like when somehow somehow it's like I'm sure there was a lot of people out there who were like, well, Jeff Hanneman's tied, and I feel really bad. I shouldn't feel really bad. He was just a guitarist in a band. And and I think if you're lucky enough to be able to sum your emotions up into words and put them out there, sometimes other people will 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 go, oh shit, that's why I'm feeling like I feel. You know I, what I, I mean? Think, I think boiling it down to 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 I don't know. I seem to be quite apt at boiling things down to it's it's bare minimal at times. Um, I've, I've I've always had that ability, and it's emotions are the hardest thing to put down anywhere, whether it be on paper or on fucking shit book. And um, yeah, it's it's difficult to get it out, but I, I seem to have over the years got better at that, um, which is really helpful in what we do, which is talk shite um, about music in general and talk talk to cool people. And life experiences give you that, and um, it's it's something to hold on to and something to something to keep on doing. Just keep being yourself, and and everything will work out. I feel. Well, speak, and that's a very good point. And speaking of which, Joe, the I'm going to ask this question to you and to you, Gully. But Joe, I want you to answer this first. Has there ever has there ever been um, uh, uh, an interviewee that you've really wanted to get on, and and Gully has said, "Look, nah," or you can do it on your own. I'm I'm not doing that. Um, and I'll Gully, I'll ask you the same question. But Joe, first. I don't think so. No, no, no not one that he's going to. Go ahead, do it on your own. I might not off the top of my head, anyway. Um, there is a, there is something. I mean, I've interviewed bands on my own, and I do do them with Gully, and it is a very different. It is very different when doing two of us or one. And if I did think um, this, this, I want to do this on my own for whatever reason, I'll just go ahead and do it. And none of that, not everything I do is for the podcast, anyway. There's certain ones I might say there was a. Uh, someone I wanted to do a one-to-one with and kind of dig deeper and get a few different things that I probably couldn't have done with the podcast. I'll do it separately for a magazine anyway. So uh, right. some people I've interviewed twice and things like that. I'll talk to anyone, me. Um, whether I know your band or not, um, I'm just one of them people. I'm quite um, easygoing when it comes to talking to people. The, the, the most boring found and band could give you the best interview you've had in yeah. your life. Yeah, You've yeah. Got to go up yeah. with your eyes open. I suppose I, I'm I'm not really bothered, and I know Joe does his own stuff. But generally, he's had stuff he likes. I've had stuff I've liked. We've interviewed loads of fucking people, and um, I'm open to talking to new people. So um, life in it. Well, and I'm, I'm oh. I, I am going to ask these questions of of everybody, but uh, but also some 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 of the podcasts I'm going to speak to don't have interviews, so that'll be interesting. But um, uh, and again, Joe first, Gully second. Yeah. Favorite interview. Um, Tough one, I know. I'll tell you who it was, actually. I, I don't know if you're going to ask this, but my probably golden chalice would either be Steve Harris or Rob Alford. But, yeah, do you know what? And Gully's going to agree with me. I don't know if he remembers this. Wasn't expecting anything. Was on the phone for well over an hour. This is the one that's coming to my head, was Tony from Venom Inc. Yes. Right. What a, what a, what a great interview and what a, what a lovely bloke. Uh, yes. which, um, um, can... which Tony? Because there was two at a point. Um, Tony Dolan. Yeah, 
Yeah, the, the front man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Singer. he's he, he's he's fat. Well, funnily enough, he was at our last. He was at our Leicester show, um, which is the last place I expected him to turn up. And and yeah. and we had a big hug because I've known him for years. I mean, fucking years. And um, uh, and I was like, I've never had you on the podcast, have I? And he was like, No, you haven't. So don't take it badly. And I've known him for thirty years. And he was like, oh, yeah. I said, Well, would you would you come on? He goes, Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to because he's just such a top man. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a good one. To be fair, and um, hopefully um, this weekend we'll get him to do a little bit for our Christmas show as well. He's he's just quite approachable, dude. You just message him and he goes, "Okay, cool. I'm in New York this weekend. Next weekend, let's let's record something." And it's it's just like that. Um, me um, personally, uh, Rich Ward, um, fucking top bloke. Um, I met him when I was uh, interviewing um, you, hungover, um, and the drummer. Um, <laughs> well, a blood, st- well. a blood stop. Um, so, yeah, carry on stop. for a second, guys. I've just got to take a phone call myself. Bear with me okay. one moment. Okie dokie. And um, yeah, can I can I just say? Talking? Hang on, hang. Can I just say, first time ever on to- uh, on talking bollocks, supposed to be a big deal. Joe fucks off to take a phone call. You know what I mean? What, yeah. what what's going leave on? Leave it in. Leave it in. Oh yeah, don't worry. It's stay it oh, you, you know me. Everything's in. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, you cunt. Come, get off, get off the phone. It's not that important. Um, well, didn't you have a fucking phone call as well? Hang on a minute. Let me let me just rewind there. Did, did, you made a phone call too, or you took a phone call and you broke the recording. So no, 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 no. I broke. No, no, I broke. No, I rejected. I rejected the call. It just took a little bit of time to re um, to reconnect the speaker. Oh well, well, you're both guilty of phone interruptions. Let well, there's, 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 so to, to there's the no world. way. There's no way that I can. There's no way we can have this conversation without that happening. So um, you know, tough, well, no, tough I, shit. no, I understand that. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just batting the man's not here. I've got to stand up for, got of to stand course. up for the co-host. Yeah, it? you've got to, so you've got to stand um, up for your bro. I understand that. Okay, yeah. So Rich Ward, um, yeah. he was cool as fuck. We ended up talking to him for about an hour and a half. Half of it didn't go in the show, but most of it went in it. Went in it. And then I met him at Bloodstock. He come over and I recognise him and give me a hug and name. Uh, there's number and stuff, but he, he never answered this thing. But we've um, the singer of that band, uh, Stuck Mojo or whatever. Um, he's he's on my Facebook as well. They're just cool people, and they're into the metal and they're passionate about the music. I like people with passion because I'm a passionate yeah. person myself. Yeah. And you meet people like that along the road, and you're just like, cool. We'll have to talk to them again, kind of thing. And um, yeah, anyone that I can, op- I feel like ones where. I wouldn't put a finger on a certain one. There's a few where we've had people that are just closed and then you unlock their passion and that's it. Then everything else is just there and you just talk about whatever. And there's been so many of them instances on our show that I've been quite blessed when it comes to that. So uh, Rich Ward from one, that was early on, but there's been so many. It, it's difficult to put a fucking finger on one in particular besides that. I know, um, I know right. what you mean. Oh, hello. Sorry, interject, guys. Sorry, I'm going to have to make a move. I've got a uh, skip being delivered, and he's an hour early. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So uh, you're you're, you're going to have to skip off, are you? Yeah, yeah. I've got I'm I'm spinning about fucking five plates at once today, as it is, and um, I've got people. I've got a load of work going on in my house, and. Yeah, I was going to skip that. Okay, well, yeah, I t- well, I'll tell you what, guys. I'll tell you what. Let's leave it there, and I'll do I'll do the Patreon bit um, uh, another time, and we'll get we'll and and we'll e- I'll either do it individually with you or both together. It might even be individually. Um, 
and uh, and that'll give me that'll give me a chance to uh, to let the patrons have a chance to uh, to rack up some questions as well. Okay, well, we, well we're we recording get... Saturday anyway, so we can do it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I should. I should be around on. Get... I should be around on Saturday. So, um, yeah, just let me know when. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll also get you to do our um, watch between your albums of this year bollocks to put on as well. And uh, cool. I'm talking to your drummer, uh, Mark, in the week, um, probably individually because we're kind of. We'll, that's what we're doing as well. We're splitting off the interviews for the Christmas special when when we're available. So I've got a few lined up. So you're more than welcome to come on for the millionth and fucking one time. Brilliant. All right. Okay, guys. Well, let's let's speak later in the week, and we'll do all of that stuff. But uh, in the meantime, thanks a lot for your time, boys, and um, it's good to have you on at last. No worries, Howard. Thanks for having us, man. Always a pleasure, mate. Take care. I'll speak to you soon, mate. Good luck with Sorry, the, good luck with good luck with the skip, dude. <laughs> skip, motherfucker. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Bye. See you later. And there you go. Good old chat with my fra- friends uh, Gully and Joe, covering all sorts of topics, which again also continues in the Patreon version of the podcast. So, um, yeah, speaking of which, I suppose I haven't done one. Uh, yeah, Patreon, get there if you would. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith, $5 a month, $6 including tax, not a lot of money. You get a load of exclusive content, loads of exclusive behind-the-scenes acid rain stuff. You also get um, your own bollocast. You get the bo- you get this you get this podcast before everybody else podcast bollocast, call it what you want. Um, you get it before everybody else as soon as it's recorded. Um, you also get to ask your own questions. It's all great. If you want to support, that'd be great. That's all I'm going to do because it's Christmas and I want to leave you alone because everybody else is trying to sell you everything as it is. So um, this is the end of part one. Um, all there is to do is to left to mention that Back in Black has now been certified 25 times platinum in the US. What an amazing fucking stat that is. Just thought I would throw it out there. Um, so, yeah, two hours and 40 minutes of fat content for you guys. Hope your Christmas is um, not too painful. Hope you're enjoying it. Um, hope there haven't been too many family rows. Hope you haven't uh, kissed anybody you shouldn't have done. Hope you haven't tried to shag anyone's dog um, I don't know where that's come from. Um, hope you are all enjoying yourselves. I know I will be. Um, it's just before the Christmas break at the moment when I'm recording this, but the the winter sun is breaking through the uh, through the clouds, casting its shadow across the window of my balcony, and I just think, wow, it's this time of year again. What a time of year it is. It's Christmas time. There's no, don't worry, I'm not going to start doing that shit again. Look, just to say, it's been fun having you along. Going to speak to you again between Christmas Christmas and New Year with the next part of the podcast because I do like to look after you over Christmas because I know it's important to have something to listen to other than your fucking relatives and all of the shit TV. So anyway, wherever you are, however you celebrate um, this current time of year, um, this festive season, or if you don't celebrate it, I mean, I'm an atheist, I don't celebrate it, but I do celebrate family, booze and presents. So there you go. That's what it's all about for me. Family, booze and presents. Yep, bring it back down to the basics. About as spiritual as a fucking lump of wood I am. That is it. It's just down to the... It's just down to family, presents and booze. So, there you go. Um, Have a wonderful Christmas period. um, And I will speak to you all between Christmas and New Year with a second part of the podcast. That will have a certain um, cancer down on it. Um, who's going to come on and give us an update, which is really, really cool. We'll also have no friend on it. 
um, and it will also have Godless on it, and I haven't recorded that interview yet. I'm going to record it in a couple of days. So, uh, actually, tomorrow. So I'll get his ass on the show, and we'll get this all sorted out, and we'll have uh, a two-part fucking extravaganza for you all. So, to play us out is a band called... I'm going to mess this up. I think it's Elrian or Elirian. Um, E-L-Y-R-E-A-N. The album is Blacken the Sun, and um, basically they they reached out, in other words, sent a message. Uh, Will Edwards of Ellerian, um sent a message um, to me at the Acid Rain page, basically saying, oh, would you check this out? Um, and they've been in, been in contact a couple of times, um, and, um, and I like it. So I thought I'd put it on the podcast. Now, the album's called Black and the Sun. The song I'm going to play you is Black and the Sun. Um, you can find them at Bandcamp. Very easy to find. The name again is Elrian or Elirian, E-L-Y-R-E-A-N. Cool logo, sort of opathish looking logo. Um, it's sort of thrash. It's kind of death. It's kind of all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, this is the first album for a first album and it's a concept. Um, I think it's incredibly fucking impressive. Um, not the finished article, but who is on their on their first album? But yeah, I just thought it was really worth um, giving them a shout out and putting some music on the um, on the fucking podcast for you guys to check out and see what you think. So to play us out, back to the old days, hey, we've got some music at the end of the show. To play us out, thank you very much for listening. Speak to you on the next one. Hope everything's cool. This is Elrian and Black in the Sun from the album Black in the Sun. Thank you.